This is A.R. Farina, writer of the Austin Chronicles, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Welcome, friends, to Buffy Revisited, a one-off episode as a homage to Season's Greetings, which is a show that was on the Comics in Motion network, tackling each season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Myself and Megan are joined by the two hosts of that, Tony Farina and Jack both of whom have been on Genuine Chit Chat before. I've done several podcasts with them, and they're both incredible individuals. All their details are in the description, but Tony is of Indie Comics Spotlight on the Comics in Motion podcast feed, and Jack is of the Back to the Filmography podcast, as well as both of them being on Season's Greetings on Comics in Motion. Now, this is the first released episode of Genuine Chit Chat of 2024. I will also be posting this on the feed of Comics in Motion, so hello there, regardless of what feed you are listening on. There will also be a video version put onto YouTube if you want to go check that out at youtube.com slash genuine chits chat. But as the name suggests, this conversation is all about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We're kind of focusing on Megan, because essentially I've watched the show many years ago, and myself and Megan did a whole watch of it last year, and Megan hadn't seen it before, so we're kind of delving deep into that. We've got some listener questions, and loads of other fun things too. So this is really just a big, nearly two-hour conversation on Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a whole. All the details of Jack, Tony, as well as Jenna and Rhea, who submitted questions to us, are all in the description. So I'm not going to waffle on here anymore, just I really hope you enjoy this episode. Episode, please tell us what you think, share on social media, all that great stuff, and I'll be back at the end to tell you what's to come on Genuine Chits Chat for 2024. So without further ado, here is Buffy Revisited. Welcome to Genuine Chits Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. And here we are. We are here doing something called Buffy Revisited, and I believe this will actually be, if not the first, the second episode out in 2024 for Genuine Chit Chat. I think I'm also going to put it on the feed of Comics in Motion, because this entire episode only happened because of the two individuals that have joined myself and Megan. So Buffy Revisited, it's about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and we actually, uh, myself, myself and Megan watched it. Because of Season's Greetings. Now, I'd seen it before when I was 11 or something, um, and I'd seen most episodes, or at least the, the episodes that move the story around the most. Megan had never seen it. So two whimper slappers on the Comics and Motion Network. <laughs> they... <laughs> Did you say whimper snapper? Whimper snappers, oh, yeah. Whippersnapper. The exact opposite. Um, but they um, they decided to create a show called Seasons Greetings, which is fantastic. And with Seasons Greetings, they went for every season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And because of that, I was like, I actually really like Buffy. And I listened to the first one. I was like, this is a, this is a good show. I remember this being good. And Megan was like, never seen it before. And that started our journey. And so we planned to do this uh, big old uh, revisited rewatch. We've all been busy and had things going on. And it's like, we had a bit of free time. We all psyched synced up the schedules i'm doing terribly tonight even had a coffee i'm still drinking and i'm still not awake enough um but we all synced up the schedules and now we're talking about all of the buffy stuff we've got a few questions from jenna maid and from ria carrigan um obviously ria of Femon collective and jenna from episode 201 of genuine chit chat so lots of fun stuff and we're gonna be focusing on megan mainly yay megan who mm-hmm. loves the focus being on her she loves that in fact what people can't see i don't know if you're putting this up on youtube for those who aren't watching has to on be YouTube, secret, you're so. missing the big pointy arrows that she's got that are like, and she's under the thing that says, just Megan, just Jack on Will and Grace. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, let's introduce the two individuals who are with us, Megan. I mean, people know Megan, and we're going to focus on her so she can do lots of talking for once. Mm. Um, but Tony, hello, good sir. How are you doing? And what is, I know this is kind of treading old ground with season's greetings, but what was your first sort of memory and experience with Buffy? And then we'll move on to Jack. Yeah, yeah, I saw the movie in the theater. It was me. 
I've never seen it. Oh, well. I've heard um, it's not you should recti- rectify that. I mean, covered on Comics it. in Motion. We, we mm. did. We did the hostile takeover. Because I hadn't seen it. I was like, I didn't want to watch it in case one day I was yeah. inclined to, I think. I'm yeah, I mean, I, I would recommend it. But I saw the movie in the theater and loved it and thought, wow, this is a thing that exists. I can't believe this exists. <laughs> um, who allowed this to happen? And is then other comedic? people were like, I can't believe that exists. What's that? Is it more comedic? Like a f- funnier... I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, broader. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, Paul Rubens is in it, so he pl- he's playing for last. He was Pee Wee Herman, hmm. and um, uh, uh, David um, Arquette. Arquette is hmm. doing all the. He's really funny in that. So those two, but like it's so it depends on who's which character. But yeah, it's more it's more comedy. Uh, Kirsty plays it. It plays her Buffy is more of a Valley Girl. Um, which, because, you know, the show kind of picks up from there. So she starts off that way. Um, Sutherland. I mean, I enjoyed the movie. So I saw the movie and I just loved it and um, had the movie poster. I mean, like, I loved it. And uh, and then when the show came out in the, on this upstart little nobody network, um, the WB network, I was like, oh, I'll watch whatever that is. I didn't know what it was. And so I just I actually watched the pilot when it came out and I was hooked. And then I actually recorded them. Um, I wouldn't miss it. Like my back then when you still had answering machines, I actually had an answering machine that would say like, if you called in, it's this time I'm watching Buffy. <laughs> like it was on my answering machine message. Um, and then, you know, it kept going and switched networks and I had, I got married and had kids. So I didn't continue on in real time. I had to catch up post divorce um, when I had, you know, then I had more time again. Um, so, but that was my Buffy experience. So Buffy fan from the beginning, it is still my all time favorite show. Amazing. And then Jack, your origin story. Not wildly dissimilar, to be fair. Um, again, big fan of the, the film, but from VHS rentals, when Rhea and I grew up, for those that don't know, Rhea that's mentioned earlier is my sister, who's got a question for us later. So when we grew up, we had a video shop down the end of the road that we were lucky to have it. We could just pot it down with our pocket money. I couldn't tell you how much money was spent renting that movie, but it was <laughs> you know a considerable amount. Would have been just much cheaper just to bought the video. And just owned it. <laughs> but um, yeah, watched that a lot. And then we got the series a year after the States, I think. So the whole of series one had been on, because I know in America it was like a mid-season filler, wasn't it? It wasn't a, a full season show at that point. So I think we got it about a year later. And I was there again from day one. It was in that golden age, Tony and I, Tony and I have spoken about this, on BBC Two when I was growing up, where you had all the best shows on between six and half past seven. So like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on at that time, Quantum Leap, Buffy, Star Trek The Next Generation, Ren and Stimpy, Sliders, the list goes on and on and on. It was like their slot on BBC Two where they got all these American imports mostly. Uh, Heartbreak High was an Australian one, which was like a grown-up, like a, a teenager's version of Home and Away and Neighbours. I guess it was like the Australian version of Hollyoaks, but was but good. Um Gritty and good. So yeah, it was like a golden age of time on TV. So I was watching it then. And much like Tony, I was watching it in real time. But for me, I then went to uni. Which I think would coincide roughly with Buffy going, to be fair. It's almost like it was meant to be. Why I'm not sitting here with (laughs) Buffy next to me, I'm not sure. But um, So I went away a little bit and I had to catch up. But only about a year behind, I think. So my first year at uni, for those that have been through that process of life you get involved in other things than watching TV generally in that first year. Going Studying so- a lot. <laughs> Socialising and reading books a lot. Yeah, right. Um, so I missed maybe like season four or something and then caught up. 
ready in time for season five. So yeah, I was watching it live, living through the moments as they happen, living through the end of season five and the rebirth in season mm. six. And yeah, it was great. And same as Tony, it's never gone away. I think we both agree it's not the best show ever made, but for what it means to me in the times that I was watching it and how it's continued to evolve in my thoughts and in my journey, it's still my favourite show of all time. Hmm. Amazing. And Megan. Hello. So you and I watched it um, when we were in the flat, so that was it's about two years ago. It was around the time... I mean, we, we moved into this house about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And so before before you and I actually started watching Buffy, like, what did you... You didn't know much about it, did you? So no. there's going to be spoilers for all all, season, all seven seasons of Buffy, friends. Um, but w- what little breadcrumbs did you know before watching it? And what spoilers did you get sort of before we watched it? I, li- well? I literally didn't know anything. I, I'd seen it on TV in the background. I think none of none, no one in my house watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I think it was always on too late for me to watch it. I was too young. Um, Is there an Italian dub of Buffy? That's the big question. Well, you absolutely no idea. Would that already? have been the most amazing thing to have, like Italian voice actors doing <laughs> Buffy? But it, it, also, Megan. it also moved. So when it shifted from BBC Two, I think around season three, maybe season four, it shifted onto Sky. So mm-hmm. you're right; it did shift later because it was Buffy at eight and then Angel at nine because Angel was the grown-up show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were on, the but they were on back to back. Was, was the Simpsons mm. on that yeah. point? Yeah, so I would have been able to watch, to watch The Simpsons and then my mum wouldn't let me watch Buffy. Because Buffy was Buffy started in 97, but we got it a year later, so it started airing over here probably 98, 99. I moved away from Italy in 1998. Mm. So, mm, okay. um, and Italy don't tend to, well, at least at that point, is the same. It would have it would have had a delay on getting Buffy and I reckon the delay would have been even longer to get it to Italy <laughs> than to get it into the UK. Um I don't know. I'll have to look that one up at some point and I'll let you know. Mm. But yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it. I'd, I'd seen it briefly. I'd seen her like doing flips in the air. So I knew that she jumped. <laughs> but then it was also on at the same time. There was also, is it Xena the Warrior Princess? So I don't know if I'd seen her and then got the two mixed up because I didn't watch them. Um, but otherwise I knew, no, I knew nothing yeah. about, uh, obviously... She's a vampire slayer. Like she's going to kill vampires. Spoilers. But, like, Spoilers right there in the title. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I didn't know anything. No. And then, but you, as we went through it, I managed to close the world off from you of spoiling Buffy. I didn't. Every get, time I entered a room, spoiled. I was like, if anyone here seen Buffy so the Vampire good. Slayer, no reference. The, o- the only two things that got spoiled are because I was on a BuzzFeed article and it wasn't specifically about Buffy. Mm. It was a BuzzFeed article about. Um, like shocking episodes in mm, in TV, TV. Um, and Buffy just happened to come up, and I saw it. So I knew that I knew Joyce. Going. I knew where jo- I knew Joyce died. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's um, tough. But I didn't know how. I didn't know to what extent. I automatically assumed that it was going to be some sort of like mystical death, like she got killed by by a demon or something. Um, and I knew that Buffy and Spike kissed. However, there was that ep- there was one episode where everyone goes crazy and they end up doing random stuff and Buffy and Spike kiss in that episode before their whole thing. So I saw that and I was like, oh, well, that that was in the episode that we just watched. So I, that spoiler's eliminated. <laughs> so I had a spoiler that I didn't actually realise was a spoiler because obviously mm. Spike and Buffy go further down the line and I knew about Joyce. That's it. Nothing else got ruined. But the Joyce thing was still a big shock to you. Oh, man. Yeah, the, jo- <laughs> the Joyce mm, thing was right. still... 
was still like, holy crap. Like I wasn't expecting it to happen in that way, hmm. but I did know it was coming and, but I didn't know when. And that yeah. is still arguably the, you know, in the top two shows of all time, Buffy shows of all time, Hush and the body. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, for us are the two, I mean, I, I think, I think we kind of like Hush is just so almost perfect, but like the body is like one, a hmm. is the best show. I think the body's probably even better, but you it can't watch is. the body yeah. a lot. It's not yeah. like, oh, I've got 40 minutes. I'm going to put the body yeah. on. That'll really cheer me up. Yeah, yeah. Hush kills yeah. you for a long yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas Hush is like exciting and enjoyable and funny. and yeah. yeah. I think the best bu- double bill, if you just have like an hour and a half and you want to watch a bit of Buffy, is do Hush and Once More Feeling. It's like they, they marry together because they're so opposite, yeah. but the meaning they have for not only the larger story, but how they show certain characters and how clever they are. It's just brilliant. I mean, we've got some questions we'll delve into, and I'm sure you both have questions for Megan as well. But one of the questions was about uh, favorite moments and favorite episodes. And Megan did actually cite, you cited Hush as one of your top ones. So my my thing is that I'm not, because there's so many episodes and we watch them in such quite a fairly quick succession, some of the series, they all kind of merge into one for me. Hmm. So I find it really difficult to differentiate specific episodes and i also find it hard to actually remember the individual episodes and what actually like i I know the vague like what would you call like the synopsis of the series Mm. so to speak and the arcs within and the arcs within them but i i can remember like oh i really like for example with the hush episode i remember really enjoying it and i remember really really liking it but i can't specifically tell you the ins and outs of the episode if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, like I know that there's people voice, that don't Megan. talk. Huh? <laughs> 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 you lost your voice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, good. Very but, good. Yeah, I did enjoy Hush from what I remember. Yeah, I remember yeah. finding it creepy. Yeah, that, and that's Doug Jones, who's the main gentleman, who is the like the, the he's the monster in um, Shape of Water, mm. and he was Abe Sapien in, in the Hellboy movies. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think of so like he's that kind of. Megan's guy. not like, seen either of those. To oh, she's you've seen not, al- so almost no. She's seen all, I've seen them all, but she's seen okay, almost no, no Gil de Toro, apart oh, okay. from Devil's Backbone and The I Orphanage. Seen that. The Orphanage. I've seen, seen The Orphanage. And Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. No. Okay, I love that film. Yeah, well, so he's the fawn in Pan's Labyrinth. Anytime you need uh, somebody oh, right, to, yeah, right, right. to move yeah. in like a ethereal monster, like something that doesn't look human way, get Doug Jones on the phone. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Yeah, he's a, he, like, like your favorite mime, Anthony Daniels, he was a mime. He's a classically trained, like he's, he can do, there's something about that skill set that is fucking creepy and mm. so yeah and he and del toro are buddies and and but yeah he's he played the gentleman and it was um i mean there's other gentlemen too but like the one who does Reed. all the the, like, yeah, the one that the, the horrible that the creepy fucking smile yeah mm. yeah he's amazing really doug jones is exceptional in that episode yeah um no hush was groundbreaking nothing had really done for a show and that, so this is a question, since you do remember it sticking out to you, what makes it to me so interesting is right literally at the midway point of your entire, you know, run of your whole, your whole series, a show that is built on dialogue. It's mm-hmm. super witty and you shut everybody up for 30 of the 44 minutes. So was that like, what, what did you make of that? Was like, is that what, I mean, in addition to just being awesome, but how did you, did you recognize that as you're watching it, Megan? You're like, oh, uh, it's yeah. still a good show, even when they're not talking. It turns out that it's not because I think it got a it got a rap for being like, well, it's just dialogue that doesn't mean anything, and like all the Buffyisms. And so they were like, "Hold my beer, 
watch what happens if they don't talk. It's still fucking amazing. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the juxtaposition of it, isn't it? Like, you're you're so used to, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of in the same vein with the amount of dialogue there is reminds me a bit of the Gilmore Girls because it's, like, just yeah. constant, constant talking. And as much as I love the Gilmore Girls, like, it is just constant speaking. Um, so, yeah, I think, I, I don't know, it, for me, like, I feel things more than I remember them. Like, the way that I felt watching... Hush is the same feeling that I got specifically when I watched um uh what's that bloody Doctor Who episode called? Uh, Weeping Angels. The weeping the blink from the Weeping Angels episodes. If you've seen that, um, if you haven't, right? Yeah, it's a really good Doctor Who episode. But like like, I, yeah, I I feel it. Yeah, it's I don't. I'm just rambling. Is that that mannequin (laughs) stuff? You've played games before where like lights go off and lights come on. The mannequins are closer to you. You don't like that. I I don't like creepy silent things. They've got like a statue (laughs) thing about them, haven't they? Because like the 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 gentlemen float and they move very slowly. I don't like I don't like creepy weird silent things. They they freak (laughs) me out. That's why she's with me. This is I'm I'm the opposite of of a silent thing. (laughs) (laughs) As much noise around me as you're a walking talking. Buffy and Gilmore go. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we get it now. We get yeah. what it's just, we, Now we understand. She has to get a little bit of weird to have me yeah. fending off the major weird. That's how our relationship works. Yeah. And it's a clever episode. I like episodes that are, are clever without being too clever. Do you know? Yeah. Right? It's smart, not clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely written as like a... Sorry, Mike. It was written as a bit like a, of a fuck you, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I think... Maybe I don't know if we're saying his name, but the man who created Buffy, um, it, it, he was sick and tired of people calling him out. And all you do, as Tony said, is write these write these funny lines and write this. He was like, okay, well, how about we do this then? And then it's now heralded, and everybody loved it at the time, and it's the best episode ever. And so it was it was a kind of a statement of intent of like we can do whatever we want with this show. As you said, Mike, once more with Dean was a couple of years later. Like I can do this, we can do this as a show, and. Well, we have a talented enough pool of performers and writers and directors and that really we can do whatever we want and we'll make it the best episode. We'll make it the best TV that, that you'll see. <laughs> and you it's true. Want. Once more with feeling that was after they switched networks, that was the first script written and it was, they knew which episode number it would be too. It wasn't like it was the first script written. Like, and then they were like, which they knew which episode it would be. They brought that to UPN. We're like, we're doing this, so get prepared because it's like they were already an eight day shoot. And most TV shows are supposed to be a four or five day shoot for a TV show, and they were already an eight day shoot just because of all the. So they're like, also, oh now, yeah, yeah, per episode, and they're like, now we're also going to do a musical, so mm-hmm. it's going to take even longer. So they needed to prepare. So it was one of those. It was like, well, we're moving to a new network. People are like, this is stupid. Just the show should have ended. Whatever. Again, we're going to blow everybody's mind. And again, my favorite, well, my second favorite episode of all time is in season six. It isn't, I mean, I love Once More with Feeling. I love, love, love it. But I like Tabula Rosa, the one where they all, like, to me, that is like them acting their asses off. Again, all these. When they lose their memory, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Spike opens his thing and he's like, I'm British because of this lady, Giles. Yeah, no, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is. Brilliant. I know. I love that. Randy Giles. It's like, oh, that is such a great, that to me, like those, that was another fuck you to like people. Cause only Sarah had a lot of, and Anthony Stewart had had a lot of acting chops before. Mm-hmm. And so again, there's all these really good actors. And again, they're getting shit on for like being in this genre show. 
So when you do a show like Tapa La Rosa, you're like, oh, guess what? Look at, we're all going to play somebody totally different. And throughout the time, Sarah played a bunch of different versions of Buffy, right? Like, you know, like she played, and like that's like my favorite episode of Halloween. She plays somebody else, right? The she plays the, the Buffy. Yeah, she plays the Buffy mm-hmm. that you meet in the original movie for the first half of the movie. Yeah, the damsel in distress. So like Sarah Michelle Geller got more of a chance to act than everybody else did. They were stuck in those characters. So Tabula Rosa was like another chance to be like, okay, we're just going to turn this on. And everybody has a good time. And um, so again, it was just, it, it was, it. what I love about it is just that ability to push genre, like to to live in a genre, but then also break it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because it's easy to get pigeonholed yeah and i think with i think all the uh, most of the the best shows that exist that are considered um high art in a lot of ways are ones that have a few episodes in there that really go against the grain and i know that megan you often appreciate those kind of episodes because one of the other ones was the wish which obviously introduces anya which you really liked mm-hmm. but also it's cordelia's wish i, I think it was i wish Beth, buffy never came to the school yeah. 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 yeah 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 and it's like though there's an episode of doctor who again this is <laughs> Uh, a lot of Doctor Who talk. Um, funnily Considering enough, Mike and I have never watched Doctor Who together, yeah, no, I've, no, I've <laughs> also makes sense, right? This hundred percent makes sense. It's, it's an influence on Buffy, no, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, almost vice versa as well. I think because obviously there's the gap latterly, of Doctor yeah. Who existing. So, but it's like with Doctor Who, there's an episode um, with the Catherine Tate series, which is my favorite series and my favorite companion, um, with David Tennant, and it's called Turn Left. Mm-hmm. And the whole episode is just Catherine Tate has one option, or Donna Noble has one option: turn left or turn right. And in the canon, she turns left. And it was, what if she turned right in the situation? And then there's loads of like butterfly effect kind of things of why she never met the doctor. And then it goes from there onwards. But it's years before she would have met. And you see her see world events occur that the doctor prevents happening, starting to happen. And basically the world ending because of all these events. And she has no idea why. And that gravity of making an episode like that is so huge in the cleverness of it all. Buffy and certain other shows have episodes kind of like that, but often with the characters. And one of the appeals of the show is when when people who haven't seen Buffy before, friends of ours have said, oh, would you recommend it? It's like, it's a good show. It's worth a watch. The highlights, are, the highs are so amazing. But you have to sift through so many episodes. And I feel like every if every Buffy series was, and I think you guys have said this on Season's Greetings, was like 15-ish, 16 episodes, it would probably be heralded as one of the best shows mm-hmm. ever made ever without real debate. But there's so many weird little ones in between the ones that really work get missed a bit. And I think the episodes that really work is when they change around dynamics, when they change characters, when they do those kind of things. Because with all the a lot of the best episodes, Doppelgangland is one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. When you get these characters that you've known for so long and they get changed, ironically, that's what I enjoy the most. And I think Spike in um, Tabula Rosa is probably one of my uh, favourite elements of that. Well, Spike's a fascinating character for that, isn't he? And, you know, we had Sonia on talking... Buffy with us and talking Angel with us. And she's such a purist, I think. She's in such an interesting character. When you hear her talk about, like, you know, Spike or Angel or, um, like, Loki, these are characters where she wants them to stay. And I understand this isn't a criticism. She wants them to stay, like, as that kind of villainous, Machiavellian. Whereas for me, the turn of Spike is when he becomes the better character. Don't get me wrong, he's fantastic in season two. But the term, what we start to see in season four, through like the episode you mentioned, Megan, I think it's called Something Blue, when they all, um, like that's after when like Buffy and Spike are kissing. It's like, kind of like the the earlier Tabula Rasa, I suppose. It's another right, yeah. episode similar in it. Something in a at the that. magic box, something, something. 
yeah it goes yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. and the buffy's like oh we're engaged yeah and, this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then that's when he it starts to kick in that he's got feelings for her so the the turn of spike he becomes a character i think it's almost like a scrooge he goes from a caricature to a character mm. and i think that's what buffy did all, all, so well all the way through they weren't all car- caricatures but they were all characters who changed and developed and evolved and i think that's the real catch for it they are real in inverted commas people who don't stay the same all the way through not a single person in that show stays the same they all evolve and change not always for the better sometimes for the worst and sometimes then they then come back and and Tony, you mentioned lost that's there's a reason why they're my two favorite shows of all time because they're shows based on character yeah it's true and it's funny too like and also part of it like if you know we're not saying the name of of he who shall not be named but you also have to think about the supporting like when drew goddard comes in who also when drew goddard shows up on lost there's a hard Mm -hmm. turn and when i see his name show up for the first time i said to leo i was like oh drew goddard's on this i didn't know it's like well that's it's gonna get wild you know like you like because you i know what he can bring and um and there's just so, and then brian k vaughn shows up mm. on Lost too crazy so it's like there's that the, you can't discount it's the performances of course but you also can't discount these people who the, these writers and producers that they bring in who have really good ideas um and so i think that is that's fun i would ask you megan as we're talking about the characters was there any of the character changes that you didn't like like did you like early mousy willow more than like you know badass willow at the end did you like when you first met tara do you like her better like the character arcs the growth of the characters was there any that you liked and the ones that was there any that you like that didn't work for you you thought the growth was you know was a bad choice to change the character in that way um i can't really think of any of them that i thought were bad i think xander choice he doesn't he changes as a character xander becomes less insufferable so that's fine but but the the standing up (laughs) standing up on you though yeah yeah it's like yeah i mean yeah yeah i'm not a fan of him leaving anya at the altar Mm because i i really like anya Um, did you like anya's change because obviously she goes from demon to not to then back to it a bit towards the end uh yeah i found when she flitted back to being a demon i thought that was a little bit annoying because it just felt like it was backtracking on loads of progress that she'd made as a character um but yeah so i liked her character development i liked spike's character development bar like the moment a a certain episode um that's horrendous but which he hates the actor yeah, himself. Yeah. He had to go through, he's never he had to go watched through therapy that he had to go yeah, through therapy yeah. that because you think acting as sexual assault out over and over and over and over and over again and you know the acting in that scene is phenomenal and it's just horrendous to watch and it goes on for so long on film it goes on when you're watching it it goes on for it, so long it, yeah, so for one. him it's ugh. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't really think of any characters. What, what about Willow? Like her from, as as Tony said, from like a more side character to oh, she's a bit of a witch to her. She's like the most powerful being there is. I think. To like Dark I, th- Willow. I think it does get a little bit frustrating after she becomes Dark Willow. I think her character becomes a little bit annoying because it's kind of like oh, can I use magic or can't I use magic? And then there's no real like actual lines as to whether or not she can use magic and how much magic is too much magic. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a like a bit of a pithy storyline for her. I think it just annoyed me a smidge. Mm. But otherwise, I prefer her as being more like taking ownership for her own person and not just being pushed to the sign- sides all the time. Because obviously the first like part of Buffy is her about like being in love with Xander. <laughs> um, 
And then she actually, like, finally gets, like, something to her. Tara was just... I, her character arc was really nice. I was just angry that they killed her. As is everyone, so, I think. So angry. And As we know they the intended, yeah. 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 Uh, we'll say, you know, uh, with the creator of this show, I'll say his name, it's Joss Whedon. Uh, he's a piece of shit. And look up all the horrible things he said to people. And unfortunately, he can make... He can help make with other people some great shows, unfortunately. But... You know, we don't want to talk about him very much, but uh, he is the reason that Tara gets killed yeah, in such a horrible way. I'm not going to delve into it here, but look it up. The conversations they had is horrendous. So, yeah. Did a, I'm trying did to think a of any other character that. Giles, because he kind of. He goes Angel, I've just always thought is meh. I never liked, liked him. Angel. <laughs> not fussed by him. No. Don't see the point. Oh, but your favourite character. Even yeah. when he, like, pops back, he's just like, oh, I'm back. I sense something was wrong. And then he just fucks off again, and I'm like, okay. He's busy. What's even the point of you? Why investigating things? He's like, oh, I'm here in the final episode to solely just be the bringer of this amulet. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but they need they need the amulet so Spike can show up in Angel season five. (laughs) Yeah, and save that series. (laughs) Yeah, right. But this annoyed me. Okay, so I do I do know that Spike doesn't die because Mike said Mike told me at the end. So I'm there like... Well, so, wait for it to hit you first. Yeah, the yeah. second he dies, then go, didn't happen. I did wait a little <laughs> he's, bit. He's not actually dead. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm, he's yeah. already dead, to be fair. He's sort of well, re-dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's a problem. It's a criticism you can throw at a lot of genre shows, isn't it? That sense of like, they're dead. Oh, no, they're back again. You know, comics. They're dead. No, they're back again. Well, I mean, they literally did it with Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how, however, yeah, I think... It sounds like you're never going to go on and watch Angel. The, the I'm not. Yeah, show. I'm not fussed by Angel. I find him, him so bland. We, so I, I, I find him you. less bland than Finn. Yeah. Oh, Finn is super bland. But Angel, right, I'm yeah, also yeah. kind of just. Oh yeah, right. What's his name? Yeah, Riley Finn. You're right. Riley yeah. Finn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, Mike called him Finn earlier. Yeah. Um. Well, that is his name. Yeah. He gets referred to by the soldiers as Finn, I think, yeah. doesn't he? Yes. But everyone else but as Riley. It doesn't matter. He's boring as hell anyway. But... <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? You can't really remember because he's just <sighs> so bland and beige. I forgot yeah. he existed. I, I, for a while, because we, we were talking, I did a little list of just little notes of like, oh, what is the difference between each season? Because I can only loosely remember. So I made some notes. It was season one, intro and the master. Season two, Spike. Season three, Mayor, Faith and Prom. Season four, College, Oz, Adam and Finn. I couldn't remember his name. I was just looking for the episodes. I was like, what is, oh, it's <laughs> Riley. Riley Finn. And then there's season five, Glory and also Joyce's death. And then season six, Resurrection, Dark Willow and Tara. And then season seven, Uber Vamps, Hellmouth and Finale. I like the Eva and Joyce's death, but you haven't written the apostrophe S. You've just written the apostrophe. Yeah, jo- Joyce, Joyce death. Joyce death. Joyce death. <laughs> and not yeah. to be a prick, but it's season six, but you know. There we go. No, it's season five, isn't it? No, you're right. I'm a prick. It is I, right. I, 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 I it's, went the last, it's the last thing where she, last thing that's the final th- thing that so she goes through at the end of the episode in season well, five. Well, because season it? five is such a perfect wrap up, isn't it? And it's just yeah, like everything's right, yeah. kind of tied together. But I had to look almost all this up on IMDb, for, scroll for the episodes, because like Megan, like, I saw it once when I was 10, not it's all of it. And that series, the it. one where Buffy jumps into that portal thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. To yeah. save everybody. And yeah. she dies. Yeah. And then yeah, the yeah. series ends, and then they decide, actually, that's not how right, the series ends. Well, it was, again, it was another fuck you because the WB didn't want to keep paying because it was an expensive show. And, and the way that it works in TV, the longer the series goes, the more you have to pay people. But also, for the most part, the longer the series goes, the less viewers they get. They get hit peak saturation and then it starts to go down. And so you like have to make those decisions. And the WB you just didn't want to have to do it. And the UPN 
which, you know, the two networks ultimately merge and become the CW, which is funny. But the UPN network was like, we'll do it. We'll take it. And so it was, it, I mean, it was written with the intention that that would be the end of this of the whole thing. It would end at season five. But the fact that there was an opportunity to tell more stories, season six does take a while to get its legs under it. Um, there's, you know, the... There's no, the, there's the baddies aren't as bad. I mean, like, that's the problem. The dorks oh, yeah, aren't great baddies. Kids. Yeah. They just, What's that? It's just the three kids. Yeah. They would work in an arc of a few episodes and while one of them something is else the, is happening. One of them is in the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Danny Strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's a writer. Like, Danny Strong goes on to have a really great writing career. He's an Emmy winning, Tony winning writer. Like, he wrote the Hunger Games adaptations and he did, like, um the butler that Lee, he writes a lot of lee daniels stuff like he's he's an amazing writer and i honestly think it's from his time like hanging around the gilmore girls and buffy staff like sitting around like jonathan you're just here all day and then you get to come on for two minutes and just got to sit over here you know same on gilmore girls so i i yeah. actually think that's probably how he went he on to do to that be yelled at by paris <laughs> <laughs> right that's his whole that is definitely his whole his whole thing there um what the big you, Jack, sorry. I was just going to say, just, just around, we were talking about Spike, weren't we? Just around the off, like, I think there is a good payoff to talk, you know, to round up, round up this idea again of like characters dying coming back. I think the way they deal with the Spike one is probably the best of anyone. In Angel, who, who, you say? Yeah, so the way they deal with like any character within the universe dying and coming back, I think they deal with it really interestingly in the Angel season five mm. TV show when he goes across there. I mean, Tony is absolutely right. He was a life jacket for that show because it was in real big trouble by the end of season four that they got off a cliff with the writing and nobody liked it. And the, you know, nobody that was watching it liked it anymore. So they were like, but everybody loves James masters. So let's get him an angel. So it was cynical, but the way they dealt with it, I think was, was really, really good. And added to the legacy of where the show continued on into the comics. And I think it's a really interesting one. I don't know. I'm not sure whether you'd ever go down that road, Megan, but it'd be interesting to see if you ever, even if you read about the arcs, like what you think about whether it should have stopped at five, because you know, a slayer is not supposed to live very long. They're supposed mm-hmm. to have short lifespans or for what they're gone. Cause it's all Canon, which you all appreciate, Mike, all the Buffy comics are Canon. Um, what they decide to do with that character and the legacy of where it goes would be really interesting to get your take on that as well. Mm. I have seen the Buffy comic books. We've seen them a few times. Well, Cause I've got a few of them for free comic book day. Um, and there's, there's a couple of like, almost other world ones where there's ones where like you know i think willow is this spoilers no for people reading the comics i don't know well there's well there's so there's two different so the dark horse one are canon and then they sold over to boom studios which is the new ones which is like a reset like buffy with cell phones Hmm. so like that first issue of the boom one is buffy with a cell phone and a stake so it's like re-racking and then in those comics they mention they they prove that the Dark Horse comics are also still canon. So like everything that happens there. I mean, I I'm assuming if you're listening to the Buffy show and you've not read the comic books, we can you can say three, two, one spoilers and then say it and then you know. Yeah, it was, it was just that I think Willow becomes the Slayer in in one of the kind of the stories, isn't it? And there's there's like isn't there a story where Buffy then isn't the Slayer and it, she gives up her powers or something for some magicy thing and it kind of it twists the dynamic quite a lot. And I know, and I also know that there's other stuff that happens not in those comics, but like Xander gets with Dawn, and there's all this weird mm. like stuff mm. that goes on. Because I haven't delved into the comics, but I was like, I played, I think it's 
Buffy Chaos Bleeds, I think, was the game that came after it. There's 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 other media as well that comes after um, Buffy as well. Who? Why is there not a new Buffy game? A video game that's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, its own story, and it's like a an RPG-esque kind of game. Like, how cool would that be with like the style of games at the moment? I just think Chaos like Bleeds... Like a Witcher a, Buffy. Yeah, that would be so cool. Because somebody that. would get a shit ton of money for that. Mm. Yeah, it would mm. be incredible. That's my reason. No. That's my a, a, a certain person would. Uh, a certain person owns, would have to so, be paid off because he created it. Does he then own all? Like even the comics that are made, he still. Well, yeah, unless, so he, unless he's, he's unless he's sold. Well, I didn't know if he. I didn't know if he. So has he's he's not comics. George Lucas. It no. no, no, he still owns ah. it. Yeah, so like the buff, the Boom stuff, the Boom Buffy and, and Angel comics that are still happening. He doesn't write or have anything to do with, but it's his name and it's his license. So every it's time like Rowling sells, and Harry Potter and, or the Wizarding World is that correct. kind of thing. Yep. Oh, okay. I yep, see. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably part of it because it's not um, like, I mean, those comics are still running and they're okay. They, they go up and down. Same with the Firefly ones and the Boom Universe. I know Jack doesn't I like them. I dropped out. Yeah. Um, but they're, well, they're not, they're uneven. Um, mm. But they, you know, it's still, He's still getting paid for the licensing, you know, so whatever, but whatever Boom Studio paid. Hmm. Yeah, they didn't. It's not like with that, the Nevers where they could just wrestle it away from him. Right, yeah. Because they were co-producers. Yeah. That, that is a shame. I mean, I, this may sound, I'm not trying to make a political standing because he is a piece of yeah. shit, but I'm like, I would be fine with the game. My kind of, it's, it's not the bad, it's not, it's not the right moral way of looking at things, but I'm, it's like, it's like with the new Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy game. I'm like, these two creators, regardless of how much I disagree with them, they are so unfathomably rich. There's nothing anyone can really do now apart from literally putting them in prison that can possibly... If you took all their income away tomorrow, they're still going to be richer than like anyone listening to this podcast for the rest of their lives. So I'm like, I don't want to give them money, but I want to have fun, nice, cool things that can make me escape <laughs> the existential dread of the world. So I'm kind of like... It's again, yeah. it's it's it's, it's a hard one. Anyone yeah. could spend their money, their dollar, however people want. If you want to support or not support, whatever. I'm not judging or anything in any way. But I'm I, for me, I'm just selfishly. Maybe it's because I've got a real horrible pit deep my stomach. There's something bad's gonna happen to Star Wars. You know, I'm like just protect, protect the, the IP. I'll separate it from the creator as much as I can. Well, but I think at the beginning of our the first two episodes of season's greetings, Jack mm. read the letter from Sarah herself. Yeah, and and. Once, you know, and we did that early on because we almost, we had, we had on Jack's birthday, which I didn't know was his birthday. Mm -hmm. I sent him a message and we're like, Hey, I'm going to do this show. I'm going to do a show. I was just going to be me where I was like rewatching Buffy. And then it was like, I knew how much you liked it. So I just sent him a message. I'm like, you want to do this with me? And he was like, sure. And so I didn't know that was his birthday, but that was on his birthday. And so then, then, so we start working on it. We're ready to go. We're working on stuff. And then all of the news breaks and we were like, should we continue on with it? But ultimately it's exactly what you said. I do think it's important because all of those, because again, the show wouldn't have happened. Like, yes, he made the movie and yes, he was brought in to make the show, but Marty was the one who came to him and said, I want to make a Buffy the Vampire Slayer show. And he was like, really? And she said, yeah, I've got a really good idea. I know how to do it. So he owns the characters because he wrote the characters, but he wasn't even the executive producer of that first season. He was a producer. And then it was only later that he gets that. You know what I mean? Because other people, smart women said, we could do something cool here. Let's go do it. You know, so that was ultimately our decision too, right, Jack? Was that like, mm. we want to, and because Sarah said so, and Charisma said so, and Michelle said so, they're like, yeah, you shouldn't quit watching this because of course they get paid. Every time that 
reruns every time somebody buys another episode of the stream happens, they're also as actors getting paid, right? I mean, Charisma Carpenter hasn't done a ton. Her work in the Expendables, notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> she hasn't done a ton, you know, so that's like an income stream for her and her family forever. And so if we just pull it, she was the victim there. And Joss is still going to get money for Avengers and Nevers and every single right. other property that he's... And, and it's scary when you look back. And nice. you see a film and you go, oh, co-written by Joss Whedon. You're like, oh. Yeah, Toy Story. Yeah, Toy Story. <laughs> he's also directed an episode of The, the Office. Office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lots of, yeah. Ironically, um, the one with the bat. <laughs> but getting off of Whedon, yeah. let's go on to the best W, Willow. We named our dog Willow. Uh, not after Warwick Davis' character, um, but actually because uh, we hadn't seen uh, the film Willow. A lot of people that think that that's the case because our tortoise is named Wicket, which is after Wicket, which is a Warwick mm. Davis character. Do- so we unintentionally named So but- obviously when you have kids, you have to name it Flitwick just to throw everybody <laughs> off. We did, make, we did say if we got another animal. If we got another pet, I would want to call it Flitwick. Yeah. Um, okay, g- genuinely, that was on the cards. <laughs> Um, but Willow, I mean, Alison no, Hannigan. No, doggy. <laughs> nah, uh, Alison Hannigan um, would actually, when I was younger, she was my draw to the show more than anything and when i when i saw the show i'd never seen her in anything and this is when i was like 11 or 12 uh, i think but like when i saw the show i was like oh yeah buffy's cool but i'm in love with willow i was there was just something about her and i i think i i barely watched any season one so i think i was more series two three ish when i kind of got on board and then i remember the glory season quite a lot i think that was kind of the main um four four and five were the main ones i remember from when i watched the first time which obviously you get oz and oz is amazing uh love oz and then you get the Adam Finn stuff, uh, Adam Riley stuff, which is a bit boring. And then the, the glory and the joy stuff is like, all of that is what I remember, like Willow. And then there's the Dark Willow stuff. And I just found, I just loved her hugely, um, her whole thing. So with you, with Willow, obviously you agreed to name our our dog um, after Alison Hannigan's character. Like, what, what did you think of her as a character as a whole? Yeah, I like seeing her progress. I like her. Yeah, and yeah. Dark Willow. I know he's touched on it a little bit earlier, but Dark Willow. Like, did you like that story arc? Because that's a very big. I remember enjoying it. I yeah, remember, like, I there too. are things about that series that I see. Like, again, it's it's the feeling. So, like, I associate memories with how I felt in the moment. So, like, I specifically remember when she fucking flayed that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, like, because I was like, what the. I was like, where the hell did that come from? Um, because that's is that in the same episode when Tara dies, or is the episode after? It's off. It's after. Yeah, she yeah. was a bit of a vengeance. So there was those two episodes, and when Tara got shot, I was just like, oh my god! Like, and I remember saying to Mike, like, she's not dead though, is she? <laughs> like, she's not going to die. She has a bullet wound. It's in Buffy. We've literally seen worse. Oh, she's than not. That. She's not going to die. And then Mike was like. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and then, then afterwards and then, I explained the whole situation behind the scenes of he of, yeah but anyway um, but then yeah then she flayed that guy and I was just like oh wow okay um, yeah I, li- I like Willow Willow's a cool character and you've said before like we've, and she's smart she is very smart that's, that's the thing it's I nice to most... have a empowering woman that's smart and not just like here are my chebs do you know what I mean like yeah or just that smart is her whole personality. Because kind yeah, of how she started. It's, yeah, she... it's not like she's just going to put glasses on and then she's now a smart girl. <laughs> but we said, like, with Willow and Tara, like, one of the, the things this show that we were surprised by, um, especially that you, because you kind of knew about the whole stuff in the background with the creator, how, and I'm not saying he's the reason this was progressive. So I didn't, I didn't know stuff. any of the stuff to do with the, the creator of the show. I didn't know any of the negative stuff until Mike told me mm. about it. Because... Again, I hadn't really watched any of his stuff. 
Like, we only watched Firefly for the first time. Well, because time of Read Your Buffy, recently. we decided to watch Firefly. Um, but, um, the sort of the, the it, when, so yeah, when, when it came out that, that Willow's gay, I was like, oh, I was like, when did this show come out? Like, I remember saying that and being like, when did this show come out? And Mike was like, oh, it came out and whatever, like this, this series 90s, came out 2000s. in this part. And I was yeah. like, like, obviously I'm, I'm all for one showing love. I don't, I don't care who kisses on TV. It doesn't make a difference to my life. You've been to many, many lesbian weddings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been to, yeah. You love them. <laughs> I do. I love a gay wedding. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, like I'm, I was genuinely surprised that they had a same sex kiss on this show considering when it came out mm. um so i thought it was it was quite progressive i was just like that's really cool i really like that that's they, awesome they took a while to get there didn't they but because they did take a while to get there there were lots of like hand touching and like subtleties before actually it happened and then the way that they i think handled the like i think awkwardness around her friendship group and then afterwards dealing with that i thought it was done really nicely which i find so bizarre considering who created the show but obviously, as you guys have said, there were other people in the background as well. It's not just him. Um, but yeah, I, I I really liked that. I think it was, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that show for those elements. It's all about like inclusivity and being family, regardless of what you are, who you are. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all, we all know Rhea really well. And one of her big things is found family. Mm. And I do wonder how much you can trace back to her being a passionate Buffy fan at that really important age of that germination of where you you yourself are finding who you are what you want your values to be so yeah i mean i think if i'm watching buffy in 97 i'm 17 so she's watching it she's 14 and then we're both going through you know we're both watching it just she's just a couple of years younger than me so it's really interesting to hear you say that man because i think you can probably you you know really really well probably think oh yeah i can see that oh i can see mm-hmm. that oh that character that i can see how they've informed her and because again buffy is a fan family show that's what it that's who all those people are that's they love each other in that way they don't always get on and they they bicker and argue and do silly things and hurt each other but families do do that unfortunately and i think you're right the way they handle that and it was progressive that's the only word for it it was one of the first shows that were that felt confident enough in the characters they had and the writers they had to to show this on screen. And I think being gentle and careful about how you then show a kiss, I think that's okay. And, and I think it's backed up by the fact that when you then get to a musical episode, you make a joke out about them going down on each other. I think that's... <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, we'll take our time to kiss, but then... <laughs> We're going to have a song about it. We're going to have a song about it. Right in the middle. So yeah. I think, you know, yeah, that's all right. That's the two yeah. ends of the spectrum. And, and I do think Amber Benson did all that work too with the with the awkwardness. Like she's a really good actor and she is really. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. Sorry, yeah. Names. Amber Benson is Tara. And she, um, she does a lot of that work for us because we, it's like now we've got this stronger, smarter, like season three Willow when she outsmarts the mayor. When she's not Witch Willow yet, right? I mean, she's a little bit, she's, you know, but like 
the mayor stuff. <laughs> I, sh- like I completely tra- forgot that she. I, I completely forgot that she didn't do any of the witchy stuff until she went to uni. Completely, mm. completely blue. Because she, she started. She was becoming like a. She did a little bit. An IT it. mastermind, wasn't yeah, yeah. she? She was yeah. becoming a hacker. Giles knew a bit about hey, more Christ, about magic. Yeah, I completely than she forgot. Did. Giles dabbled a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, even more so. Then... Yeah, Willow's ca- Willow's arc is fantastic. Sorry, Tony, I interrupted yeah, no, you. No, I completely it's true. forgot. No, but I mean that's the whole thing. Is like because in season three when she when she you know outsmarts the mayor when he captures her and like. She doesn't damsel and distress it, right? In that moment. She like, that is a, such a powerful moment. So then when you meet Tara and she's then the meek again, like you said, it, it's a little bit regressive with with um Anya making her go become a demon again. They don't they don't weaken Willow in that way. I mean, they handicap her with her addiction later, but then you bring Tara in, and I just think Amber Benson does such a great job. And to me, the, the episode, the episode is the family episode, right? Is the one when Amy Adams shows up. As the awful um, cousin and Will and um, Tara's family comes and and then everybody's kind of like becomes Tara's backup dancer, and it's such a lovely episode. But it's it's about being a witch, but it's about being gay. Like it is such it again. It's so well written. It is such a well written, brilliant show. That particular episode because it's like, oh, did your mother know and all this and you know and it's all about witches, but it's not. I mean, it's clearly the actors are like Tara's family is. There's actors are portraying it in a very specific way about her coming out as a witch. <laughs> so it's you know it's just so good. Um, and again, I think Amber Benson's performance as Tara is she's my favorite character. Um, I, and I think it comes down to her. I don't know, like I don't know who else tried out for it. I don't know who else could have been, but in my mind, it's her. It's always her. It'll always be her forever and ever. And I just think. There's just something so sweet and lovely and pure and good about her and that she's willing to give up things in season six for somebody she loves. And again, that goes back to what you were saying, Jack, about the the found family thing is that Tara has found a family. Like she's so lost, but she still loves, like she still needs to walk away from Willow because that's what the right thing to do, but she still takes care of Dawn. So I just, I, it makes me sad it was such bad blood. I mean, she'd written her own comic book series about Willow and Tara. Like she's a writer in her own right. Um, and when she left Buffy, she went on with Christopher Golden, who was writing the novelizations of, of Buffy and then wrote some books with him. So it's like her career was okay, but it really kneecapped her in a way that wasn't fair to her as an actor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was going to say it with um, Willow and Buffy. I mean, you met so Willow Buffy, you mentioned, um, Dawn there very briefly. So there's a yeah, question. I was going to ask about There's Dawn. a question from... So <laughs> Ever divisive Dawn. Yeah, there's some questions from Jenna and Rhea who I've I've been integrating into my questions. T- Tony's asking. Yeah. There will be maybe some quick fire at the end if we haven't just loosely touched upon these. But thank you to Jenna and Rhea once again um, for these questions. So Jenna asked, what side of the Dawn fence did you sit on? Did you enjoy the boom here as the sister we never spoke about before? Or what? Because obviously when we watched when- the episode... When did she get introduced? What right series? at the end of an episode. Yeah, no, I know oh. it was right at the end of an episode. Five. What series? Is, is it five? Season five, episode one, I think, yeah. So end of, the Dracula end, episode, end of one or it? end of two, it ends. I think it's end of Dracula, isn't it? Like, yeah, well, Dracula, yeah. She goes stuff. home and then the door. Yeah. God, that's late. Series five. Yeah. Right yeah, at the start of series five. She's because the, it's she hinted is the MacGuffin. It's hinted at in that season four ends in episode 21, weirdly. They defeat Adam, the cyborg guy and the mm. initiative. So then we get one extra episode, which is the dream sequence episode. And it's Your all favorite. about setting up. I fucking love that episode. It's setting up <laughs> what's going to happen in season five, which we also argued is 
the best scripted arc season as well because they knew at this point this is going to be it this is what mm. we want to do and there's a moment when um buffy is talking to faith in the dream and she's just like be ready for the break of dawn I'm, I'm i'm paraphrasing that incorrectly but it's like be ready for dawn which we all heard in the show of like oh something new's going to happen but actually the new thing is this sister so it was all set up for the start. She's yeah, the old yeah. thing, isn't she? Because when it's the the guy at the start. Yeah, no, 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 turns... no, no, no. The weird monkey man, like as in a monk. He's oh like yeah, a monk. Not, no, not, actual, not a monkey man. As in, like, ooh, ooh, ah, I mean, that ah, would show up in Buffy. Also... Amazing. <laughs> you know? I'm here for that. Andy Circus showing up. Yeah, <laughs> Jones and Andy Circus. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Um, what do so you think of Dawn? I remember. I remember when Dawn appeared. You're so confused. And I was so confused. <laughs> I like looked at Mike and I was like, she's. She's not always had this sister, has she? <laughs> and Mike was like, no, this is a new character. And I was like, then I don't understand. How does she have a well, sister? I didn't say that immediately. I said, well, she did. And you're like, what? No, she And you were like, and I was like, debating with myself. I was like, I'm pretty not sure she's you. not got a sister. And then you're like, what do you mean? And you're like, just tell me, has she got a sister? I was like, you kind of have have to watch to realize and you're no like, just tell me i was just yeah, like just i was like, like just tell me tell it's a whole it's a whole thing it's, it's not just in the first just episode. tell me whether or not she had a sister prior to this moment <laughs> the answer is no she didn't and yeah. she just the answer is, out of yes nowhere. she always did though yeah mm. well yeah um <laughs> it's, it's a very <laughs> weird thing isn't it it's it's something very odd um i i don't mind dawn i think there are some parts with her that are a bit annoying like isn't there there's like a, a plot where she's a like a kleptomaniac at some point mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like that doesn't really add anything apart from obviously she's being somewhat ignored and then therefore she's lashing out because she wants the attention. But that's just like, you know, she kind of grows a, a bit teenager. and then stunts and then grows a bit and then stunts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think towards the end, she's a great character. I just think the fact that she suddenly appears is quite abrupt. And I, I as much as I like the glory season, I, I find it very confusing at the same time because there's lots of elements that are going on with, with Dawn being the key is that right? <laughs> she, um, so, yeah. And Glory and her brother being the same person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that I forget. <laughs> That's why I think a Buffy... It's like I'm reliving it. <laughs> with a Buffy rewatch, I imagine with you guys, um, I'll do Jack first. Like with Because you guys have both rewatched Buffy quite a few times before even season's greetings. But like I imagine because of the sheer volume of episodes in mm-hmm. the show... It must be really fun to rewatch because, oh, I forgot about this or that detail or that thing. So I want to know from each of you, do you feel that way, Jack? And also when Dawn, because you're watching in real time, when the Dawn thing happened, was that while you were like directly watching it on TV or did you get it spoiled for you? Like how how did the Dawn thing impact you as well? The Dawn thing, yeah, real time. The only thing I ever, ever had spoiled for me in Buffy, unbelievably, was the end of season five. Was Was on the day of airing something on i think on the radio or somebody said like it's the episode where buffy dies and i was like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> oh my god um still didn't stop me absolutely distraught dis- dis- and destroyed and weeping <laughs> and snot and all sorts um no it was in real time it was wonderful i love a like a puzzle box style storytelling like early jj abrams you know back to lost um alias his star trek stuff less so but he builds a lot of his stuff around this sense of like there's one central puzzle there's this thing that he wants you to figure out as the characters are figuring it out so for me the dawn concept really really works and i really liked it at the time she's bratty and annoying don't get me wrong to begin with but then she's meant to be bratty and annoying so the, the, the character you know the actress is doing what is required for 
the character. But I think as a plot device for what she serves in season five is and where it takes us to is absolutely wonderful. The growth that it allows for Buffy, the rallying round of the friends and this the found family and the importance of protecting her as this central figure, I think is a, is a is a brilliant decision. And I think totally pays off by the end. You forget the annoyance of the bratty stuff. So as a character, I feel that way. And in terms of watching, you're right, you do. I think I've seen it enough times now. I could I couldn't sit here and go, right, in episode one, this happens in this episode. <laughs> but if you take away those seven episodes per season that are shit and I want to forget, I probably could. I probably could by and large, like in season two, I could almost, you know, beat for beat tell you is what what's happening with what character and where they go and why and but I do think it's a layered enough show that it doesn't matter how many times you watch it, you will spot something new that will remind you, ah, that's why. I remember talking about season two, Tony, when we did season's greetings. And I was like, as much as I remember it, watching the moment in season two when she catches the sword, when Angel was trying to stab her, Angelus, I should say, he's trying to stab her. And he's like, I've taken away your friends. I've taken away your, your like, I've absorbed your power. Like you've got nothing left. Like, what are you going to do now? And she's like, I don't, she catches a sword. He's like, what's left? And she's like me, I don't need anything else. And it's such a, a powerful moment in the show. And I remember when we were talking about it, it was like, I was just, I'd forgotten how good that moment was. So I think that's what I find each time I watch it. There's certain moments which sing more than I remembered or sing in you because I'm in a different place when I'm rewatching it perhaps. Hmm. And then Tony, you were Dawn and the same question to you. Yeah, no. So Dawn, so that was right about the time when I was, it was part, during season five where I, I don't think I finished all of season five in real time, just hashtag life. You have children and stuff. Um, but I do remember that happening. And I remember the Dawn appearing and, and it was like growing up with sitcoms that did this. This is the thing that happened. So like, two sitcoms that I remember family ties and growing pains, which people mix up, but they're not remotely the same, but both shows added the kid late, added the baby. And then the next season they had, they aged up the kid from, but the rest of the mm. characters didn't age up. They didn't skip <laughs> forward in time. No, it's true. So like, like Rocky family, five. What's that? Like Rocky five. Yes, I've gone exactly. to Russia for three months and now my son is 10 so, years older. What? That's exactly. <laughs> Cause he wanted his own son to play the role. So, um, and so these things would happen where they'd bring in a baby and they're like, having children on set is really expensive, having babies. Um, so like, that's why it was always miraculous that the full house managed to keep those Olsen twins. Like, that's why they were the mm. twins playing the one character, because you can't have one kid on screen for too long. That's why the twins played the one character. Well, anyway, so it's cheaper to just hire a five-year-old and just have one kid. So a lot of shows did this, but the rest of the characters didn't. And then they just pretended. There was, then there were these fake episodes where they'd be like, oh, remember when Andy was three? And you're like, no, Andy was never three on this show. But they <laughs> write those lines in. So to me, Dawn was that. Dawn was a commentary on that from we Gen Xers who lived with that. So I was here for it because I was like, haha, this show that's so irreverent and so making fun of culture while creating culture, like – and how on the nose it was. Don't scully me, Giles. Like, that isn't even mm-hmm. on their network. But they're acknowledging that they watch the X-Files on Buffy. Like, of course they do. Like, are you fucking kidding me? So, like, the amazing stuff that happens, the commentary on culture is there. So, I was fine with it. Um, you know, the more times you watch it, what I notice are the subtle performances of the actor's growth. Um 
like watching how Alison Hannigan becomes these other this comedic genius, like her physical comedy skills grow, which you don't see. But really, when you look back on season one, Willow's doing a lot of physical comedy. Like she as an actor has to do work. Um, so so those are the things I noticed. And then there's like some episodes that you just like, it doesn't move the plot along. So like the dummy. I mm. fucking hated you that. Hated, that was the most <laughs> the, creepy episode the for the you. The ventriloquist so- dummy, I absolutely hated <laughs> because not only do I hate ventriloquist dummies anyway, but he was a creepy pervert, that dummy. I fucking, like, there was like, oh, I hated it. I, oh, I really, really hated it. <laughs> what have you done? I'm sorry. I remember when that episode came out, I sent Jack a message like, I totally blocked that one out because it doesn't move the plot forward at all. It is just a one-off, you know, because season one was very much like the master, but it was a lot of introducing the world. So lots of villains of the week, you know, as we, season. As, as we move away from, as we move away from just vampires and like understanding the Hellmouth, you got to have these other things. But so like, sometimes you're like, oh, or my favorite is when you're like, oh, that actor. Hmm. Like the Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal. Yeah, we yeah. saw him pop up. And I was like, oh my God. I took a photo. I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize he was in it. Because yeah. obviously at so, the time when I saw it, Pedro Pascal wasn't who he was. And I was like, that stuff I love when you watch an older show. And if you watch movie. the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you mm. will see the movie in the background on the on the on the basketball court, you will see a very young, non-speaking role, Ben Affleck. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. That's baby face Affleck. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. So it's like, there's a lot of those like walk on things, like people in the background of Buffy that are really cool to see. So, and for me, it's just such great writing. It's really a masterclass on, on, you know, how to, how to shape a story and how to, um, like, but Jack said, sometimes you're like, it's 22 episodes. So you got to have a filler episode and that's too bad. Yeah. You know, because if they were to do it now, they would, it would be like justified. It would be like Deadwood. You're like, oh, we're going to do 13 episodes. Mm. <laughs> That's what we've got. And so then there's no bullshit. Mm-hmm. We would never have to do worst episode because beer bad wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. That episode wouldn't happen. Teacher's pet wouldn't happen. Oh, that your... episode, man, the praying mm. mantis one. Well, one of the other questions was least favorite episodes. And the praying <laughs> mantis teacher's pet, that was series one. And when I was saying to Megan, look, I know some of these episodes are rough, but when please I watched that one, trust me, get through season one of Buffy. That was early on in the series really as well. It's yeah. not like... Episode three or four. Yeah, yeah, it was an early one. And I was like, what on God's it earth It's like a Doctor Who this? episode from like the really early season of Doctor Who, where you're like, I mean, even modern day Doctor Who, it's like, here's these four big massive episodes which use up 80 percent of our budget and now we have to fill up these other few episodes with paper mache and like that <laughs> annoying horrible sex one where well, riley and buffy don't uh, stop where the having wild things sex are. yeah there's yeah. that one but there's also <laughs> the one where do you remember that guy has that horrible jacket i just remembered it in the last season he's got that jacket that any woman want to sleep with him and then yeah, she sleeps the with the jacket she she's the counselor and she sleeps with the student on the fucking oh, table oh yeah his, and, oh, and his yeah. brother's jacket and stuff and that is Buffy, like because Buffy he, he's, he uses it on Buffy in one point yeah, in the yeah. episode as well and she's coming yeah. on to him yeah yeah that episode th- those, se- those sex orientated ones that are like just they're not the best <laughs> <laughs> they're not the best as, and the other horrendous one uh, which we would mention um, I wanted to mention that because that was but the, the sex but, but the Willow Tara sex joke in the song in Tara's song from Once More With Feeling <laughs> is brilliant yeah. Yeah. And especially because it, it cuts and it cuts back to the magic shop and Dawn's like what are Willow and Tara doing it is so <laughs> brilliantly edited 
that was one thing we talked about too, Jack, wasn't it? Is how good the editors were on this mm. show. It was really, really remarkable. Um, because you talked about dream sequences a lot and how they did it well. And then Rhea talked about it in our wrap-up episode. And that takes good editing. And your favorite episode was all editing. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. And I think like- this, I was gonna say the sex thing is it was a weird era of TV, I think, where sex was either yeah, a 200, like, let's think of like Buffy and Angel when they first have sex and then he turns into Angelus. It's either like slow-mo, like steamy, like <laughs> 16-year-old girl with a 200-year-old man and this is sexy. okay. Ooh, let's make it sexy. Or, um, or, or like, you know, like all the Buffy and Riley episode where it's f- filmed in a similar kind of way or it's taboo and it's not it's the Spike and about. Buffy stuff a lot. And that's like, it's spoken, but it's basically abusive. And it's like, this is a yeah. weird place you're going. Just, I just don't think they knew how to health, how to show kind of healthy sex at this point in TV, particularly, I guess, maybe network TV where they had a lot of rules they had to follow. So I think it does, Buffy does fall foul of that in a, in a lot of its seasons. I think because it, it, nobody really was doing it right at that point, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah. it's true it's and then season four well. of angel they really Oy. really screw it up so you think some of this was bad season four of angel yeah i never it's bad, bad news bad news bears <laughs> never, i never yeah. i never watched that with angel but I, I did want to ask um another question which came from jenna um which is it was only because we're not going to talk about this character otherwise i know for a fact because he's boring as hell but like what did you think of uh wesley did he give you ick at the beginning? And uh-huh. is and like him and there's a follow-up which is what character we'd like to see more of. But Wesley is a character, and especially Wesley, because we spoke about Giles a little bit, but like Giles kind of goes up and down with like, oh, he's just a nerdy British librarian, and then oh, he's kind of got a dark he's past. A fucking ripper. And yeah, then he's man. actually like really awful in a lot of ways, but no, he's pulled back a bit, and it's just like I think realizing that Giles is not morally is quite morally grey as a person, is a real changing point for the audience and for Buffy as a character. Mm. But Wesley, like, he just pops up, is a bit of a pain that goes to Angel. But I didn't know, what did you think about him? Um, and Giles? I didn't like Wesley to begin with. I, I, I don't think I... I don't really remember him that well. He's like, like Giles in season one. No, 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 no. I know, I know. I remember Wesley. I don't remember what happens, what happens to him. He just leaves with Cordelia, doesn't he? Like, they go to Angel together. Well, yeah, so he leaves Sunnydale. At the end of season three, having survived graduation day, and then it was graduation day. My, yeah, it was way my perception that. of the timeline of this show <laughs> is so erratic. He's only in season three. That's mental, Buffy, because it's at the time when sort of they're looking at removing Giles because he's not doing the job they want him to do it because he has fallen in love with Buffy. He has become her real surrogate father. So he's not being her watcher. He's being her father who watches her that sounds weird but you know what i mean yeah um so they look they're looking to remove me from remember the watchers council come and wesley now ah. becomes her official watcher yeah no but, wesley can fuck off he was, <laughs> well he, he can was, wesley yeah. is a doofus and a wanker in buffy don't get me wrong he sort yeah. of has a slight redemption by the end of season three you're never going to watch angel right probably, probably not, not. No. It's too many episodes greatest th- character arc ever jack greatest character arc ever on TV, in my opinion, is really? Wesley. Because of where he starts in Buffy and where he ends in Angel. So he comes in halfway through season one when they planned this big twist where they kill off one of the main characters halfway through Angel season one. And the point of that was meant to be like, oh, we're grown up, we're edgy, like you never know what we're going to do. <laughs> and then basically nobody 
really dies ever again. Um, <laughs> That's the one death. Yeah, sort of. But um, when they're not writing people out because they're not getting on with the creator anymore. Correct. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, the arc Wesley has an angel. I-, I think you'll back me up, Tony. Maybe you're not quite as strong in your feelings as Beth Cattock ever, but I know you really like it. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's wonderful. It. Yeah. Where he love goes yeah. is, um, you won't believe who he becomes by the end. Wow. Do you like him more at the end than you like Giles at any point? Because Giles, I, oh. I don't know how I feel about Giles. I don't know about like. I just think I I don't unless we unless we did a blow by blow now of what happens to Wesley yeah. throughout that season. You just wouldn't you wouldn't be able to make it up now. There's no you way. Can't, you, yeah. There's no way you could sit there and and come up with what they decide to do with him as a character. It is truly a five year journey, and it is really and he goes to the tippity-tippity-top, and he totally bottoms out. And it is, honestly, Alexis mm. puts it puts his all, and he's the best actor mm. in the Angel series. And especially when when you see where he starts here mm. um, and to where he ends there. He, he is, I mean, Amy Acker, I mean, like, Angel yeah. has really good actors, but, like, he really owns it. And, and so do I like Wesley more than I like... I agree. It's not like, no, I like Giles still better than Wesley, but mm-hmm. Giles was already fully formed. Wesley's just a young person who's still under the thumb of a, an overbearing dad. And so you see him come out from under that mm-hmm. where like Giles is like trying to rehabilitate himself from being an asshole teenager. Wesley didn't get to be an asshole teenager because of his dad. So it's like, he's trying he like goes through the shit. Um, yeah, he's a terrible character in Buffy, but that's also intentional. And in real life, he marries Allison Hannigan. So win for him. Yeah. Oh, really? That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. By the way, when we finish recording, all I want to do is just sit and I'm, can, can we sit for three hours? And I'm just going <laughs> to explain to you everything that happens just to get your reaction. <laughs> it's are you, are you I want yeah? that. I need that as an afterthought. I wish someone could make like, they did it with this, um, an anime called Dragon Ball Z, which I'm sure most people have heard of. And I love yeah. Dragon Ball Z, but there's, it's renowned for its filler and flashback episodes. There's a whole, there's the cell games saga and half of it is actually is a flashback and it takes up several episodes. And in that there's another flashback. None of it's relevant. It's playing old stuff you've already seen. They released something called Dragon Ball Kai, which is HD remastered. They did some of the animation again, and they redid a lot of the vocal work. And then they literally just edited the show. The show is only about two-thirds the length of Dragon Ball Z. It tells the exact same story. I've seen them both. And Dragon Ball Kai just cuts out all the filler. And I'm like, all you need is like a clever editor, like do like the ultimate Buffy 4K collection. And it would be it would kill fans, because I'm sure there'd be a lot of episodes we all love that would be cut, but almost like the quintessential Buffy of like, here's the equivalent of five seasons or four seasons it's all been remastered a little bit and we just cut out one or two scenes that aren't necessary <laughs> and then you know certain episodes that just add nothing and i think like a super cut of it but that of angel that's what we need because mm. watching buffy and i'd seen buffy before and i really liked it and we were enjoying buffy we got to series six and we were like we're enjoying this it did take a but there while was so it's like 18 hours mm. per mm-hmm. season it got to the point where we were like we need to finish watching buffy before we, booked we... the Buffy revisited thing, a Buffy revamped. Did we get Willow before or after we finished Buffy? Before, because we got it before yeah. the Dark Willow stuff. <laughs> oh, well, we got risk. our Willow before the Dark Willow stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty certain. Wait, no. No, I don't think so. We decided on the name. It was quite close, but we watched Buffy. We I don't think, yeah, show, I think we, we got Willow the dog just before we finished watching Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer. And then, yeah, we went to see our one man show 
Yeah, Buffy was revamped. A, was Buffy revamped. Which is really good, And we had, to, we had to watch Buffy before we went and saw that. Because yeah. right, it would have spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have spoiled the ending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, And one thing as well, I know, I'm sure you guys have got um, a couple of questions for Megan, your own. I've got one or two more things here just from, I want to ask for Rhea. Rhea asks, what is your favourite uh, like love story, like relationship, so, plutonic or... So, I was thinking about this earlier, and we discussed this earlier, but whilst we've been doing this podcast, I've just remembered one that I would probably say is also a good one for me, and that is Giles and the oh, no. the teacher Jimmy, from the school. Yeah, who gets, who gets killed yeah. by um, Who gets killed Angel. by Angel. Yeah. That's a rough episode. That was rough. That was that was a shocker to me, because there's a... um. There's definitely it was one of the first times that 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 was a, like done and it also sets the tone right I mean like season one they kill the friend right and then Xander's buddy and then season two you you do this and then it, it really is setting the tone for um, them doing things for what Whedon does like he's willing to kill a character and it's there's a young adult writer called Scott Westerfeld who is willing to kill a character. Like, I, I appreciate that. I, I I do think that it's important that there needs to be, this will be pun intended, there does need to be some stakes. And so <laughs> I do think that. So that was your favorite relationship is Giles and Jenny? I don't think it's necessarily my favorite. It's just one that I kind of forgot about. I think my favorite relationship is, like romantic relationship is, is um, Willow and Tara. They're my favorite. Hmm. But I did think about Giles and what's her name jenny calendar jenny calendar um and i was like that actually that was really sweet and that again is one of the episodes that i remember that having i don't remember anything else about that episode specifically but i remember the feeling that i had when he kills her and i was like oh my god no no charles deserves all their reactions to that is one of the strongest emotional moments i'm not surprised that resonates you see there's a phone call i think if I remember rightly, so you, but you see it from outside of the Summers house, yeah, and the phone call and the way they all crumble and the way they all deal with that. I'm not surprised that resonates with and stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, the relationship, the the relationship is Buffy and Willow. Mm. Like that is the relationship. That is what the that is the 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 point of the show. That's what saves is, the world almost is, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, women got to get together and re- crazy ex-girlfriend could sing a song about it, ironically. But um, I do think, to me, that's the one. I mean, yeah, romantic relationship, Willow and Tara forever. Fuck you, Kennedy. Um, oh. <laughs> you guys hated Kennedy, didn't you? Oh. I just what, really the, dislike the potential girl. The young one that Willow kind of got involved I, with. Yeah, I thought she was all right. I wasn't that fussed by we her. We didn't hate her like you guys right. did. You guys hated her. We were like, oh, she's a bit annoying, <laughs> she I guess. Started, she got a little bit big for her boots at parts, I think. Yeah. But she's kind of almost like Buffy was in season one, in a way. Yeah. So it's she almost like, like Willow's found pipe. another little project. She'll start piping up, and I'm like, shush, shush now. Shush, yeah, she had no Let the adults speak. No powers. Buffy, you know, by the time of season one, had already stopped. Because the, the film is kind of canon. Because hmm. the show starts with them having to move because of the events of the movie. So she had already had to, you know, be involved with vampires and stopped a uprising at a, at a different place. So, yeah, fuck Kennedy. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Kennedy is the worst. Yeah. And she hangs around in the comics, too. Oh, and they're yeah, like, Ugh. stinks. That's <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. And the act, no offense to the actor. I mean, she's doing mm. the job she's asked to do. But yeah, she can fuck right off. And I know it's just because, again, <laughs> I love Tara so much. But even if you're going to kill Tara, then you know what? I just need I need Willow to go 
you know, be be like Nun Willow for a while, Nun Witch Willow, like Wicca Willow, just commune with herself. Not that she can't go get laid and do whatever, but like, fuck you, Kennedy, we don't need you. Like, you're in the way, you suck, of all the potentials. <laughs> She's my least favorite. Mm. They tried so hard to make her a thing. Fuck off. Faith is right there. If we need somebody who's salty and a badass, we've got faith. We don't need you, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I uh, think that... that- I agree with all of that, by the way. But I think it's really interesting <laughs> to talk about it now, though. I don't even know if I thought over the time when we spoke about it at the time, but Kennedy is the Riley, isn't she? The trouble yes. is mm. they can't... When you lose Angel, it's that 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 epic love and that, like... I know Megan, you know, as a character, you find him quite bland, but he is that, that epic love for her, isn't he, as a character? Yeah. So Riley was always going to fall flat. He was never going to live up to... And it's the same, isn't it? Whoever came after Tara... because. Ta- somehow miraculously Tara did replace Oz but I think because they did something so radical and because she was such a good actress and the character so interesting but nobody's going to be able to replace her so it was always a, a losing battle but they didn't have to as you said Tony give it to the worst fucking option possible but she adds nothing to the plot either that's, the, that's no. to Willow or to the plot she does no- it's just hey loads of people are making out what can Willow do mm. let's just give her a, a- young girl to make out with and you're like but can't willow just be meditating or doing something cool mm. like wouldn't that have been made more sense for the whole magic stuff is like she's well, like just going know, all, working all, on all kind of like inward yeah. like mm. i don't need outward love i've got me i'm just okay with myself for a bit well and you can in that moment too that's when you can bring jenny back which because you realize, and this again is good story arc, is that Jenny's a techno pagan. Willow's the hacker. Like you see, the seeds are set there. So, like to me, you need her to do something, have her commune with the spirit of Jenny Calendar. Whether you actually bring the actor back or whatever, like there's stuff for her to do. Right, hone her skills, figure the shit out, be the Willow we need her to be, to be Detective Willow. And again, she if she needs to bang one of the girls, great, she can do that. But like, I don't need them to be. A thing. In a relationship, it was yeah. Ugh, I just dislike her so much. And she she really. I mean, the thing is about season eight with Xander and spoilers, but Xander and Don are together yeah. in season eight. Gross, but hey, like Kennedy's still around. Oh, oh, right, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you, you said that like, earlier. That's gross. she needs to go away. I mean, Don becomes Don's a giant at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Don becomes a giant. So there's a lot of fun stuff in season eight, but like because you know there's no budget in comic books, but they still have Kennedy. You're like, look. <laughs> this this well has run dry. It didn't work in the show. There's a good chance you could just write her out. Let's be done. Um, my question is, who's your favorite baddie? Right? I mean, that's mm. the, who's your favorite big bad? I've noted obviously a lot of them down here. Who's my favorite baddie? I like Spike as a baddie. And to be fair, Angel as a baddie Ooh, is, is decent. <laughs> he's a good baddie. Yeah. Um, probably one of those two. To be fair, because like. With the final series, I with the final episode, I f- finished feeling quite underwhelmed <laughs> mm. by it. Um, like I was expecting it to be this like really awesome epic thing, and like it just fell a bit flat for me. So the final series again, I also found quite confusing because there was just lots of things going on because they were trying to wrap it up, but it also kind of felt a bit rushed. Like the actual final episode, there's this big build up when they go to, is it the Hellmouth or is it some sort of cave? It is the Hellmouth. Hellmouth. 
um, where they are going to the Hellmouth and it's all this massive build up and then they're only fighting for like, what, 15 minutes? And they're all these uber vamps that everyone's suddenly re- okay with fighting. And then they like, they're loads destroyed of, Buffy then, and all then of them. like a handful of people die, Anya dies, nothing really is said uh, about her. Like, she just gets sliced and then it's just panned away. You missed it the first time. Yeah, didn't you? yeah. <laughs> you were like, like drinking a glass of water and she was just gone. And then later you were like, wait, did I, what happened to Anya? And I was like, you, you didn't see. I had to rewind it. No, because it barely happened. You but then they, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. But then they end up in the bus at the end. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what should we do? I don't know. Let's go shopping. I was like, why are you making a joke? <laughs> like, But that's like Buffy's thing, life. isn't it? That's, a, that's what I think one of you guys said. It was like... Because I, I think on Discord I mentioned, yeah, we finished Buffy, but I wasn't as much of a fan of the ending yeah, it because it wasn't serious enough. And I think when you guys said, well, that's the show. It's mm. Buffy deals with everything with humour. It's all quippy. And so it kind of makes my sense. My other thing, I know that this is completely going off tangent to what your actual question was, but yeah. my other thing is that I obviously don't want a ton of characters to die, but I just think the likelihood of all of them surviving like all of the yeah, principal yeah. characters surviving is very slim <laughs> like Anya died Spike sort of Spike sort of died um anyone who else Andrew yeah but he's not a principal no, Andrew, 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 lives. Andrew lives oh yeah sorry. Anya's, Anya's no, of course he, she, he's safe sorry yeah I mean he's Wood dies doesn't he or no, he doesn't he's, he's he dies the principal and then, he doesn't die yeah he dies well, and then he actually doesn't oh that's it we <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we see him again. Yeah, no, he's in the bus. In the bu- oh, in the bus, he comes back. Yeah, he but, wakes uh, up. but I think they sort of say like, mm-hmm. oh, right. I don't. Um, we don't. We don't see him as a character again in canon. So, wow, no, because they they missed the boat on on that though. Because I mean, the spinoff series of comics is Faith and Angel off doing stuff, um, which is a really good series. I really like the Faith and Angel series. It's really good um, because you know they, as we see in Angel later, they don't like each other. <laughs> So what they do with them in the comics is really good. But the actors, right? We we mm. thought the spin-off show needed to be Faith and Principal Wood mm. being mm. Hot. They're like the being ultimate. hot together. They are yeah. super being hot. Like, right, look at these two hotties <laughs> going around fighting crime. I'm here for that. Like that's yeah. the- <laughs> give me a forty two minute episode of them two having sex. I am in. Principal yeah, Wood to be fair, it. is a stunning man. Yeah. He just he's everything about him. It's like the most good like like that is like the Zoolander episode of just the two of them like flirting. And you're like, these are very, very good looking people. Every Ridiculous. girl at New Sunnydale has got Love You written on their eyelids for sure. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I mean, it's tough, right? Because the mayor's so good, but that season Faith is also the big, sort of the big bad. So I feel like I'll tell you it's hard. Not, I'll tell you he's not the best big bad. Adam. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that, that series wasn't great. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, going back to your original question, probably Spike or Angel, to be honest. I liked the turn of Angel, especially. I really liked him as a baddie. Hmm. Um, and again, not to just totally talk about a show you're not going to watch, but in <laughs> in Angel, there's an episode where Angel has to play like Angel and Angelus kind of in a very Superman, like in a very, it's a, he's really hmm. channeling Christopher Reeve playing two different characters. And it is like that good. Like the, the way that Christopher Reeve, plays the two different versions of himself fighting it is that good in a bad yeah. movie christopher reeve is always good and in that episode it was really channeling that so um an angelus shows up sporadically throughout angel too and that is when he's at his best david boreanaz is charming and fun and all the things that he is he's david boreanaz but when he's angelus boy is he's vicious mm. it's really must be fun as an actor to be like 
I find Angel's boring as Angel. I find his character is so bland. You like him as Angelus. Yeah, yeah Angelus that's how is I like feel as well. really like Spike. I think's got the humor and the fluidity of being able to be good or bad, and it works for me. But with Angel, I'm like, you're so boring and bland. You're just <laughs> you're a vampire tea towel. I don't care about you. You're so fucking boring. Like he's he's almost like like a sixteen year old girl says, "What's the perfect guy?" And like this, it's like, but he's there's no depth. There is. It's Angelus, but the problem is they don't. With Spike, there's depth because there's so many wounds and scars that run deep. He's always like, bleeding on screen in a way. With Angel, I find that either he's completely tightly knit and there's no emotion or anything and he's pure Angel, or he's the worst, most evil, well, sadistic person ever and there's no in-between. He's like that because he's got a soul, right? Yeah, but that whole well, stuff, I think, is weak. It Well, I, I think the contrast and what they, that was so much fun later was when Spike gets his soul, He's exactly the same, (laughs) which I think is wonderful. He's like, why have you been moping around for 70 years? Fuck this. We were vampires. We did what we were supposed to do. Now we've got souls. This again, this is going into Angel a little bit, but like when they, when they, when they reconnect, but obviously we know Spike does it with a soul as well. It's brilliant. It's so good. But obviously season seven, we have Spike with a soul and it's, he's just getting on with things. He just doesn't really, when the first is messing with him, that's something else. Mm. At the start of season seven, Mm. Spike with Uh, a soul is spike which i just think is great yeah Yeah. and the flashback spike stuff is so good so spike is a baddie is great spike is a baddie is great because drew's awesome like drew's a great villain and i know spike is a hanger on like when you see the flashbacks you find out spike is spike only because of drew like you know when he gets turned he's influenced by drew like drew's Mm -hmm. you know he becomes so he's a little mad he's a little mental like william William the Bloody, um, you know, like po- he's got the heart of a poet in there, and then he's also got the blood of a mad woman. And the mum stuff. And so- that's really sad as yeah, well, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I really liked that. All happened in one episode, didn't it? Yeah, there's a whole, the whole spike flashback. flashback I really, yeah. really, really liked that episode, but I felt very heartbroken for Spike. He's had such a bad life in so many ways. Asgard is but- Masters is amazing, right? Again, yeah. talk about charm for Miles. That guy. He's Spike's my favorite. Yeah, Spike and Will are my two favorites. Yeah, Jack Jack nods because Spike's his favorite. Yeah, I've always loved Spike. Whenever I used to watch it, I used to always Spike. Whenever he'd come on screen, I'm like, "Yes, Spike, go on." Spike is the character that makes me laugh the most. Like I, I actively remember audibly laughing at multiple of his lines because, like, he's just funny. He goes beyond like the confines of the Scooby Gang are all kind of like (laughs) you know they're all like we're the good guys and we're this and we're that and he comes in he's like. God, you don't have to be so pathetic about it. You don't have to be so lame. He's like, I'm cool and stylish, and I'm this badass. And then he like trips over something. I just love it. Like, he... He's like, I'm the coolest person on screen. He's like, yes, you are. And then he, then does he runs really dumb. with a blanket on top of him so he doesn't get caught on fire. So it's like he's he's got coolness like twelve out of ten. But the problem is he's really like, clumsy and just keeps having like really like bad luck all the time. And I mm. heard someone describe Han Solo as a Dungeons and Dragons character of like he's got like max charisma but he never rolls more than a four so every <laughs> mm. dice roll out of 20 it's always less than four so he tries to talk himself out of these incredible situations and sometimes he does but no matter how he gets himself out of a situation he gets into an equally unlucky situation that only he could fall in and it just seems like spike's life is a consistent mm. thing of like tripping down a hill and then finding a bit of money but then falling again <laughs> consistently and i love it 
Mm. It is true. And it's well, and the fact that Clem is his friend tells you everything you need to know about. Like there's a harder gold in there, right? Because <laughs> yeah. why would Clem like Spike? I need to find a picture the of the dog can, demon guy. I can I know I know what you're talking about, but I need to see a picture. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah, see Spike. Oh, I love him. Sorry. Clem is awesome. Well, the thing I love about Clem is is like I think he's he's one of those fan favorites that they didn't do enough with. <laughs> but he is so good and he's like just a good plot device where it's a very Show don't tell because again, why would Clem be? Clem loves Dawn, but who else loves mm. Dawn? Spike loves Dawn. Mm. I love right? the Spike so Dawn this... relationship. That's my yeah, favorite. Actually, that's, that's, that's really my sweet. favorite relationship. It's in it's, it's the end of series five, isn't it? It's when Buffy like dies and like yeah. and Spike like essentially like promises to look after Dawn, and it's like that really nice moment between her and Spike yeah. before she jumps yeah. in. It's like, Ooh. yeah, he calls her a little bit, and and it's fun that. What I like about that whole thing about the Dawn showing up and I'm on Team Dawn and I know Tanya was definitely anti-Dawn is that everybody remembers her. So she is new, but, but the, but the, and so even after Buffy dies and glory is destroyed and whatever, the memories, their lifetime memories of Dawn stay with them. So like you can imagine a whole life of Dawn and Clem, like is Clem Dawn's dog. Do you know what I mean? Like you think about like the life they have off screen in the history and like the way that Spike always, even when he was evil Spike, he doesn't have the chip Spike. Whenever Spike, Dawn in theory, when Darla or when when um Drew and Drew and Spike show up, Dawn was now there in the memory, right? So therefore he never hurt her. Just like he always loved Joyce. When when she shows up and they're just having tea, he doesn't. He <laughs> yeah, doesn't you know what I mean? That. Like he's so there's this <laughs> there's this amazing charm and it all comes down to the actor being exceptional. There's no reason for that to work. Because he's one of your favorite villains, but he's also mm. so great. Yeah. And Dracula sucks. We can all agree that Dracula should just pay Spike his 20 quid and go fuck off. That was awful. I will say, <laughs> I I know we're getting towards the end, but I will yeah. say like um <laughs> Spike for me is the only thing that even remotely drew me to Angel. Like I, I, mm. I, I've only seen one or two episodes of Angel, and I was like, I don't like Angel as a character, and everyone around is just boring to me. It's like we're all edgy and older. It's like Cordelia so got better towards the end of her being and thing. I think she is a bit of an archangel <laughs> as well. <laughs> Maybe why mm. she's so so much older oh yeah, yeah the like, actress yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 older. yeah, yeah. you're like yeah. looking at what she's wearing and you're like you're not 15 like <laughs> why you're like 30 <laughs> so there's we're getting right to the end so and they do that weird aging up thing in angel as well because of course in angel season one she should be 18 19 <laughs> but they she acts and they play her as like she's in her late 20s they do that yeah, they, by the time you get mm-hmm. yeah by the time you get to midway through season one end of season two of angel we're no longer pretending that she's 20 no. she's like drinking and doing whatever and we're just like chris this is charisma carpenter like she's this is just her now yeah <laughs> Um, just so we don't miss the questions, um, so we've there's one more or two from uh, Rhea, just almost quick fire. Do you have a weirdest moment? A weirdest moment? Because your catchphrase, everyone knows you, is like you think things are weird and bad in certain ways. Like there's a lot of weirdness that goes on here. There is a lot of weird in Buffy, but I think that makes it really difficult to pinpoint. I think probably one of the weirdest ones for me is, is the ventriloquist doll. <laughs> like... I remember seeing that and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this guy in here? Because, like, what? It wasn't it like a, a spirit that's trapped in the doll's body? I can't really remember why the doll could speak. It he's, was a really. He's like a demon. He's a rogue demon hunter. Yeah. <laughs> What's a rogue demon? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't all demons go- like the. Uh, 
Rogue, I think the rogue demon would be Clem because he's the only demon that doesn't really act like a demon. <laughs> or hit, like, well, there's one or two that don't. Hey, um, look, don't pigeonhole all demons, Mike. Don't be that I know. guy. Don't, sorry. don't be that guy. Oh, no. Hashtag not all demons. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Yeah. No. Sorry, demons. Stop generalizing. Demon Hashtag Clem. Um, <laughs> the, the other question, which was, um, and then we will have to wrap up, but it's, um, I'll ask the guys if they've got anything else, but how relevant do you think Buffy is in today's world was one? And Rhea asked about why Xander's so toxic. I think we can avoid the Xander stuff just because Xander, uh, Xander sucks. just sucks. And he's the worst. But well, like, Xander is Joss Whedon, right? Yeah. Well, that, we, yeah. That's well, what we yeah. said. Yeah. His avatar. Yeah. yeah. And everything, he, a lot of what he says is just like, why is Xander gets- just has to say unnecessary comments that just are so irrelevant to anything that they're talking about. And it's just like <laughs> having like a proper serious conversation. He's like, oh yeah, but my dick. It's just like, yeah, but <laughs> why? Like, why do because you Because even- that. You doing like, that was funnier than any almost anything mm. Xander's That's ever said. That's because I'm hilarious, Mike, Truth. and Xander's not. Correct. Um, and the other, <laughs> no, but the sucks. Zeppo is a nearly flawless episode. We the Zeppo is a good one. What one's that? When Xander's like he he goes he off on his own little side story. When he's an army man. No, no, no. When they're fighting a demon, but he's not invited because they don't want him to die, so he accidentally brings <laughs> zombies back to life and then <laughs> yeah. has to kill them on his own, <laughs> and no one knows about it. Like he's like kind of saved people in a way, but. And he kind of gets thanked to me. He saves a couple of his lives. And then the, the Scooby gang... Oh, know. he fucking loses an eye. That's a, a does, different point. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah I know that's he a different later. part of the story, yeah. but I just remembered yeah. that he loses Nathan an eye. Nathan Fillion kills it, pokes out an eye. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Him out. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. And the other question from Jenna is, um, how relevant do you think Buffy is in today's world? I know we touched upon it with the kiss and that sort of stuff, but like... Do you think it's it, it's timeless in a way? Do you think? Or? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I shouldn't be because what I'm about to say is just ridiculous. But I sh- sometimes when I watch TV shows and films, sometimes when there is a same sex scene or a kiss, I'm still like, oh, which it shouldn't be <laughs> like that. I shouldn't have to be like, oh, that's nice. Like you notice it. Like yeah. I shouldn't have to specifically notice that there is a same sex thing going on. Like I shouldn't have to recognize that. However, I do, I, yeah, I think st- I still think it's relevant because it's still all about inclusivity. And like we've we've spoken about it, it's about finding like found family. I think it's still relevant because it it speaks about a lot of different topics. I think there are certain elements of it that probably isn't fantastic for nowadays. But I page me if the apocalypse comes. Sorry, what? What does that mean? <laughs> page me? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but otherwise... she does have to say that line. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I think your comment about the same sex stuff, Megan, I think is, I think it's really true. I think because we're still in that process of it being totally normalized. It's the same as when you see a penis on screen. You're like, oh, there's a dick. Yeah. But, like, oh, good. I shouldn't there's, have to get excited no, no, that there's a, a willy on screen because I do genuinely same, do, even though they're boobs, foul. Because there's always <laughs> boobs. They are foul, it's true. Um, because you don't do it, do you? And it's, it's women's nudity, it's so normalised. Yeah. But when it's a penis, it's like, oh, penis, penis. Like, even even when we see a willy on screen, because I'm an advocate, like, show me the willies. Release the dawn. I point it out yeah, release, we yeah. films. <laughs> <laughs> If we see films, Megan has Yeah, seen. Mike will be like, Megan, there's a willy. Get ready yeah. for this one. Oh, yay! You look a dick. <laughs> well, and even in comics, right? Even in comic books, there's still, like, like there's a lot of, you know, like is I'm rereading Sin City. There's a there's dicks in Sin City for sure, but there's like it's the ratio of like boobs to dicks is like fifty to one. Although the one bartender has a dick nose, which is really funny in Sin City, <laughs> so that's really good. But like it is true, it is absolutely true. We talked about it on the Nevers. You're like the the there's lots of sex news on you know on HBO. They could get away with stuff, but it's like there's no reason that that dude is just showing his ass, right? I mean, he's definitely naked, so. 
spin that around. It is true, though. You're absolutely right. It is. Um, yeah. Sorry, Jack. You were talking about dicks, and I got. I, <laughs> you were. I, go ahead. You can't stop me Dick when extracted. I get started on dicks. <laughs> no, I was backing you up, Megan. I think it's true. I th- yeah. And I don't think you're wrong to. I was backing you up. I don't think you should question yourself. I think that's because that is still being normalized, which goes to show. To, to bring this full circle, how far ahead of its time Buffy mm. was with that, that it was, that it was, I'm going to use a word, maybe not brave, but it was brave enough to, to take a chance in a popular show and something that was on a network to, to do that. Yeah. On free TV. And it was, you know, it was appointment TV. Like you had to have an antenna. There was no, I mean, you could get it on cable, but like I watched it, I lived in the country. I just watched it on regular TV and I recorded it on a cassette, you know, like that's how I watched Buffy. And it was like, if it was storming, if it was stormy, I couldn't get, because it, it was before the digital conversion, so it was still analog TV, so sometimes you had to kind of watch it through the fuzz. Um, but it was like really, truly appointment TV for me. And so to me, the relevance of it is that it existed on TV. It These other networks, like you don't get Gilmore Girls if you don't get Buffy, because that Buffy saved that network, right? Um, you don't get the Arrow, you don't get the Flash, you don't get Legends. Those shows are paying homage to Buffy. Um, it It supernatural which ran for longer than buffy but you don't get it without buffy like there's so many parts of culture that you don't get without buffy yeah yeah, yeah. charms just, there's loads you keep, charm, keep going uh, it. yeah man yeah. Woo, there's another banger of a show that again yeah wouldn't have existed if it weren't for that yeah um and i get what you're saying about that like i'm watching i'm finally getting around to watching the amc version of the interview with the vampire they made it into a seven uh, I haven't even seen the movie issue series. I've seen yeah. like twenty minutes of the movie, like and I want to see the movie. But it's like the gayest vampire book that ever was, without ever being any male men kissing. But are there it's any like dongs su- in the movie? In the movie, no, because it's Brad Pitt and and Tom Cruise. They're not showing dongs. Oh, but in but in the show. They're just like, you know what this is? This I love is that, the- Mike. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I really want to I see mean, Brad Pitt. If any penis to see, Brad Pitt's is probably <laughs> to be fair, he probably has one of the really best. good looking You always see it in Fight Club. You're like, is that, is that part Almost. of it? It's so close. So <laughs> close to the penis. You just sorry. want to pat your screen down Pitt's a little bit. Pitt's penis. It's, it's, I'm sorry. It you makes know? me think of that <laughs> film, the one that with Chris Hemsworth. Oh, the, the Royal the Bad Times at El Royale. His, his trousers, trousers are, are so, so low. low. It's hanging. The belt is always hanging. It off makes his penis. me more nervous seeing that than just seeing his penis. You know what? That's funny. <laughs> to bring it full circle, Drew Goddard. That's a Drew yeah. Goddard picture, yeah. is it? Because I yeah. love that film. He wrote Adore that. It. That <laughs> wow. movie is spectacular. Yeah. Um. But all of that to say is the new the new um uh interview with the vampire. They're just like the boys are just going to make out. We're just going to make it. We're just going to gay it right up. Like everybody who reads the Vampire Chronicles are like, this is pretty gay vampire stuff. When are they just going to make out? And so in the TV show, they're like, you know what everybody wanted to see the vampires do? Make out. So guess what we're going to do? Louis and Lestat, episode one, making out. Full on sex, Louis and Lestat. We're done. We're done pretending. So I appreciate like, and again, there was some of that. There's like the tension that's here in this show. It allows you to do the things, right? It just it it is so to me. It's culturally relevant, and that was the whole point of season's greetings. And that's what we do at the end of every episode. Is still, is it how does it play in modern in the modern lens? And while we always agree, Jack, that there's things that could be better, for the most part, that it's been a net plus on culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, you know, I'm sure they'd have done great in other ways. But all the amazing uh, actors and writers and everything that. that- 
benefited from it, you know. Especially Alison Hannigan and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I knew especially Gellar was in other stuff. But we, like, we saw her you know, in, what film was it? Scream. Scream. It was Scream. We she saw her start. in Scream like, oh, at the no. beginning. And I was like, oh, well, oh. she's at the beginning. But then I was like, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Buffy. <laughs> well, she was in Emmy. She was in soap operas in America before she, that's how she got the role as Buffy. She had actually already won Emmys before she was on Buffy. You know what I mean? And Anthony Stewart Head, obviously, is an award-winning mm-hmm. stage yeah, actor. Massive. So, yeah. She was Cordelia, just, right? She was Cordelia in Soaps. Like oh, she that was the, the Cordelia type bitchy character. Mm. She was yeah, yeah. To, they wanted her for Cordelia. They they tried out for the opposite roles. Yeah. Cordelia tried out for Buffy, but then they went wow. the way they went. Because the physicality, there's no way charisma could have done the work. Like I know there's a lot of stunt doubles, but like Sarah just could charisma couldn't do the phys like there's a reason you don't see Cordy doing lots of high kicks. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was it was the right choice. Yeah. Flipping them. I want to ask, is there anything, because we'll, we'll wrap up, but because um, we could talk about Buffy clearly forever. Um, but do you guys have any final questions for Megan, primarily, um, that we haven't touched upon uh, in this? Even any quickfire stuff, anything at all? Do you think you will yourself revisit it? Do you think you'll go back one day? I'd probably watch it again. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would watch it again. I want to show our, our hypothetical children. Like, <laughs> you know, this is... You know, we'll show Willow. <laughs> we'll show, yeah, she loves watching TV. But I'd like, that's the kind of thing that if we had... Uh, kids and stuff and then they got old enough like well what's the age because i we talked about it on the show is that i my kids were very young when we were watching they were watching buffy it was on tnt we'd watch it before they'd go to elementary school we were watching buffy and um and emma said to me emma who's non-binary married to a trans man said to me part of what made emma comfortable being themselves is buffy Mm -hmm. is seeing representation on buffy and so like I always joked about like, that's good parenting. You know, five and a six year old, I had to prepare them about like, Buffy's going to live. It's okay. Cause they watched that episode. I'm like sending them off to school when Buffy dies. Um, <laughs> but they were like six and seven when I let them watch it. And I felt that was totally acceptable. And we had, now there were some season six where I did skip those episodes. I'm like, Oh, Buffy's not on today. <laughs> right. But for the most part, I let them watch the whole thing in real time. So what would be the age you would let the hypothetical kids watch Buffy? Depends on the kid, because I used to yeah, watch a lot. I'd say probably not before ten, but I think ten to twelve. Because I mean, se- yeah, I was going to say one, I was going to say ten or eleven. Season one is twelve, and most because I had them on VHS, a lot of them, and on the VHSs, much like with DVDs, which is still perceived as agent for some people, and I have loads of them, is on the discs. I was always used to like when I had series of like Simpsons or anything, seeing which discs are P- mm-hmm. U, PG, twelve, fifteen, which ones. And so with Buffy, I was always like, oh, this, oh, this season, the middle tape, that's the one that's got the more, mm. the, the more crazy stuff in it. And so for me, and I watched it when I was, before I went to secondary school. So I watched them when I was actually like nine or 10 when I started watching them. And I, I kind of loosely continued for a few years. So I think like, I don't know if I've got a skewed perception on it because I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was younger and where I've watched it as an adult. I don't know. I, I would say probably editing. around 10, mm. but yeah, have I would have to, to do editing. But I think it opens up, because 10-ish, depending on the kid, is quite a good age to, where questions can be asked about things like sex and adult things, and you can frame them in a way that's not you too You can in-depth. answer them in an age-appropriate yeah. way, whereas obviously Without for a younger audience than that, that if obviously you would, mm. skip, you would skip the sex episodes, but like... Yeah. Like, it's, it kind of makes it more challenging to answer those questions in a in an age-appropriate way. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we did our rewatch 2020. Did we do it, I think? Yeah. That that lovely year. Um, <laughs> and I watched a lot of it, and my eldest son, he's 11 now, hmm. he was sort of around sometimes if it was a 
quite part of the day so he would have been eight ish nine ish and he sort of caught some of it here and there oh dad what's happening now or but it didn't get his attention at that point if it had i would have been quite willing mm-hmm. to say well I'll, why don't we watch some of these together then so it's interesting like mcu stuff he's totally on board with um harry potter star wars he's got you know he's gone down the road of all of that and he knows how passionate i'm about buffy but that didn't quite get him so it is interesting to think about what thing you know you just said mike you know depends on the kids in this instance i've won him over with pretty much everything not yet buffy i mean it was the other way for me my kids Mm. were all in on buffy but not on star wars till they were older if if the kids in this house aren't into buffy star wars or harry potter then give up for adoption i guess you have to give them reasonable (laughs) you know don't just accept them them who they are yeah don't don't take them for who they are and have them an independent thought we're gonna be a mini me return to sender (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would love to show this to to kids and stuff like that it's it's a real good show um love it and i'm so i'm i was so excited to be able to watch it again and i'm so glad that megan liked it i think there was a bit i'm so glad that i didn't get any spoilers i'm kind of amazed that i had no spoilers considering like when the show came out Mm. because like i've been i've been like with <laughs> since, I've, stuff. since I've met Mike, I've watched a lot of things that I had never seen before. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but um, what was I going to say? Sorry. Oh, like with the MCU, mm. I hadn't seen... When I started watching the MCU, Endgame had already happened. Spider-Man. Mm. This, uh, no Spider-Man Home. Homecoming had well, already come out. Homecoming... Far from home, no way. Far from home is what made me want to watch yep. them because I saw that at the trailer for it at the cinema. I was like, that looks good. And Mike was like, well, you can't watch that unless you've seen all of these. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then we went and saw Far from Home, and I still hadn't seen Endgame yet because there were spoilers at the start of Endgame. And I was like, oh. Stop for Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. But I've been really lucky with spoilers. So that's that's the rambly thing that nice. I'm saying there. <laughs> It's good fun. It's good. Thank you both for because of not only coming on this and doing another wrap-up show, but also for Season's Greetings, because that really made me go, oh, yeah, I love Buffy. I get on watching that. So thank you for Season's Greetings, because that actually got Megan to watch. Yes, there was just such hard work for us. Yeah. Yeah. We really hated it. Thank you for the the, the, the loss that you had. And for naming our dog. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it would have been Spike or Willow, boy or girl. Well, I jokingly said I'd love to call a dog Spike. No, I'm not calling my but... dog Spike. <laughs> uh, but why don't you guys plug your stuff, your pod stuff? This will be out in early 24. Um, and I'll put, so first week or two of January, I think. Uh, and also I'll put links to stuff we've been doing recently, including the Nomeo and Juliet episode that Megan missed because she was ill. She's very upset about this. Yeah. Got questions now, Megan, having listened to Patreon. Your reaction to Mike's, you had a migraine left me with questions i don't remember but i definitely did have a migraine i had parents mm-hmm. evening that day you had parents you did you did yeah. i remember much of that yeah. you listen back to that patreon episode you listen to your reaction when mike said oh you had a megan you had a megan you had a megan that <laughs> night you had a migraine that you were like uh-huh did i <laughs> i think yeah, that was because we watched crank we watched so we crank? watched we watched nomeo and julia and crank on the sunday and then the pod i think was meant to be on the, the monday fuck is crank Oh, this is what she forgets every Jason Statham Jason Statham the film you hated sex in public oh the the janky yeah, one yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. no, nah, I didn't like that yeah oh, yeah that was what it was from the <laughs> Patreon thing but um, yeah she did have a migraine but I want to be a plug and say goodbye uh, details on the show that's friends <laughs> Tony yeah. tell people about what you've got up to and things yeah well I've got the book you just go to my website arfarina.com and you can buy stuff that I that I write 
there. And the new book, the Moon Knight book is out. So that show should be coming out soon. Scott is coming on to talk about it. Um, so that should be coming out soon. Uh, Jack and I will be season's greetings, um, finishing up Deadwood. There it is. Welcome to Mansfield. What a book. Wow. Mm. I hear that one's pretty good. Um, five stars. <laughs> five, five stars. stars I heard. Yeah. I, I got a couple of five star reviews. That was lovely. Um, so yeah, we're going to continue our season's greetings and Jack and I are doing um, back to the bibliography where we're studying deeply the works of uh, Phillips and Brubaker, which is spectacular, good fun, talking about noir and whatever else comics Heath and I are maybe going to start some, we're going to finally finish, God damn, we're going to finish Sin City and then other things. So the Indie Comic Spotlight, ADHD cast on the Comics and Motion Network, whatever I feel like putting out now, whatever, season's greetings with with my good friend and international co-host, Jack. Mm-hmm. And Jack, back to Phil Morgan, what else you got going on? Well, as you can tell, Tony just totally indulges. And what's the right word? Like he, I enable. Word, yeah, he enables. Thank you. Indulges and enables my like obsessive listing. Let, let's completion. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I have it. So it's not obsessive compulsive. It's obsessive completionist disorder. I think is what I have. Um, so yeah, we've got all of that going on. And to mention, I'm doing uh, a complete state filmography watch for my own show, Back to Filmography. Yeah. So in January. Yeah, we would have we we're hitting the end of the 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 the, the safe state period, so we're, we're moving into the 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 fast and furiouses and the Megs and you know when he sort of starts hitting the stratospheric uh, era. So I'm looking forward to moving into that next stage of his career in early 2024. Incredible. Well, you can find Megan. Hello. Grits gets fit on Instagram. Oh, you're doing uh, my plugs for me. That's nice. Do you do you want to do it? <laughs> okay, thing. I thought you did normally. And you can find out on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/genuinechitschat, and you can get Megan every single week. And we're doing lots of Christmas, or we have done by the time this comes out, lots of Christmas episodes as well. Lots of bonus stuff. Lots of fun from the two of us. If you want to support us, and hopefully a live. You guys are uh-huh. going to live record. You guys watching something Megan hates, and we'll get we'll, we'll be treated to a two-hour. Megan, oh my god, this is shit. What the fuck is going on? Into I get a really grumpy. She does I'm really mad at me. Very mad I don't think I'm me. ready for the internet to hear the true yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Um, but friends, thank you for tuning in to Buffy Revisited, Season's Greeting kind of wrap up double wrap-up wrap-up thing because uh, you guys have already done a wrap-up show uh, and thank you both for getting us to rewatch it because it just made me love Buffy it reminded me why I love Buffy so much and Willow and everything like that and uh, yeah you guys are just awesome and I appreciate you both and thank you Megan for watching Buffy and joining the show it's alright <laughs> thanks for letting <laughs> thank me hang you. out with some of my favourite people yeah back at you And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friends, make sure you check out all the other incredible content that both Jack and Tony put out, especially Tony's book, Welcome to Mansfield, part of the Jane Austen Chronicles. I have read it. It is fantastic. And I'm planning on talking with Tony a little bit later this year. But what else am I releasing this year? Well, on Star Wars Comics and Canon, I've recently released an episode noting that my output is going to be slightly less so for the Star Wars stuff. Fear not, I'm still going to be releasing two episodes a month, maybe more, depending on how busy I am. But myself and Megan are getting married this year in Vegas in August, and there's a whole America trip we've got planned for like a whole month, so we're going to be quite busy. So I can't spend all the time in the world reading Star Wars comics and talking about them. But I am going to be doing a monthly thing of Clone Wars conversations, and Megan's going to be dipping in where she can. In addition to that, I'll be doing like book reviews and other kind of stuff like that but for the feed of genuine chit chat i've got loads of cool things planned i've got a conversation with goff of beer nuts productions which i think is going to be his seventh appearance on the show that's going to be coming up in the next week i think and then following that i've got another disney discussions due for recording which is disney discussions 11 which is Rhea's pick and she's going to be hosting that 
I've got plans to talk with Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek and Stories Out of Time and Space podcast about one of his newest releases, which is a collection of Moon Knight essays. So we're going to talk about that and a lot of Moon Knight stuff because I've been reading quite a few Moon Knight comics. I already mentioned I'm going to have Tony back on the show for a big old conversation about lots of different bits and pieces here. So that's just going to be a fantastic episode in itself. I've already got a couple of conversations planned with people who haven't been on the show before, so I'm excited to release those. I'm going to do a few more collaborations, so some familiar faces, some new faces, those sorts of things, as well as obviously Clone Wars conversations once a month as well. So 2024 is going to be a big year for me in more ways than one. But if you want to follow me, follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok, as well as on YouTube. Basically anywhere there's social media, you'll probably find Genuine Chit Chat. Make sure you subscribe to the feed of Comics in Motion and Genuine Chit Chat and Star Wars Comics in Canon and go ahead and subscribe to youtube.com slash genuine chit chat so you can watch video versions of a lot of these conversations and lots of stuff is in playlists so you can easily find other content that you enjoy. If you want to support the show, you can leave reviews for the show on the various podcasting apps. In addition to that, you can also share, talk about it with your friends, all that kind of stuff. But also you can support me on Patreon if you so desire. That's patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. And for as little as £1 a month, which I think is about $1.50, you get access to the full feed of Afterthoughts. There's over 200 episodes on there right now, varying from five-minute episodes all the way up to an hour-long episode, primarily where myself and Megan review TV shows, movies, live performances, road trips we've been on, holidays things like that but i also release star wars legends book reviews on there and there's a few other bits and pieces like future guest lists and those kinds of things so it's a great way to support the show as well as getting loads of bonus content from me and you get one episode every single week often i'll be releasing more than one episode a week as well and over christmas we release like an episode every day for like two weeks as well so loads and loads of content in october we normally do spooky season where we try and review as many horror films as we can so loads of great content a great way to support the show it doesn't cost you too much because at the lowest tier as i said one pound a month you will still get access to the entire feed But I think for the time being, that's going to be enough from me. But just thank you so much for all of your support over the numerous years I've been doing this podcast. I think it's been six years now. I think it's it's going to be seven years in September, which is absolutely mental to think about. But I've been doing this for many, many years. So just thank you so much for all of your support. I hugely appreciate it. And thank you, of course, to Jack, Tony and Megan. But friends, thank you so much for listening as always. Keep an eye on the feed of Comics in Motion for more content from myself, Tony and other amazing individuals, as well as on the feed of Genuine Chit Chat for more honest conversations with interesting people. So thanks again, and I'll speak to you soon. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.